um, because we're on video now and I can do this, um, the, one of the first things I want to go over is um, because it's been since I looked August of 2020. So we haven't talked in almost three years wow. and a lot has happened in that time. So uh, you released uh, the re-release of Goblin and you released Pearl, which is the re-release of on this, the day of the pig uh, Daphne came out um, re-releasing a house at the bottom of a lake. Um, Ghoul, a lot Ghoul of stuff. What's that? Ghoul in the Cape. That Ghoul giant. in the Cape. Yeah. Yep. Oh, by the way, uh -huh. um, you're all you're all up here. So I know I'm. I'm looking behind. It looks, all... <laughs> it looks so good. I lined up the Mallerman collection. Um, so I just want to say congratulations on all that. And to do that, I poured myself a shot in my Logan's shot glass. Well, why don't you just wait <laughs> one second there? <laughs> because I, I can't even believe that this is. I mean, you're going to be like, of course, you can believe it, Josh. Look what I have. Hey, there we go. That. You got a Logan's one? Oh, perfect. I do. So I wanted to toast you and for all of the... Have, like, they're both, they were both completely in reach. <laughs> in hand's reach, yeah. I suspected. That's why I was like, it's probably a safe bet to do this because... Um, yeah. So cheers. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I poured good stuff, too. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Damn. hot one. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I think that's the only... I have a beer I'll be drinking, but I think that's the that's the rowdiest I'm going to get with uh, with that kind right. of thing. Right. We're not doing, like, <laughs> increasingly strong alcohol shots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be reckless and probably very entertaining, but... Yeah, dangerous. <laughs> that, one might, that one would have to have a, sharp, a keen editor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hey, man, it's good to see you. It's, it's great yeah. to see. I mean, obviously, I've been following everything you've been up to, but um, kind of missed having chats with you. Same. Um, you know, for a long time, you were the very first uh, response I heard to every every book I was putting out. <laughs> I, I think I'm looking because I have them in a row on my shelf up there. Um, Bird Box, Black Man Wheel. Goblin, the limited edition, Unburied Carol, and this day of the pig and inspection. I think that first, and maybe even House of Bottom Lake, maybe, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think House of Bottom Lake. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Allison and I, we would go to this park by where we lived. I, I told you about this. Right. We'd go to this park yep. by where we lived and we would play the podcast and the two of you <laughs> talking and everything. And it would be like, it would be an incredible moment for me every time because it was literally the first reaction that I had heard. And I'm not really one to, um, I think, I think wisely, I'm not one to, to look through reviews on Goodreads, et cetera. Yeah. But I'll listen to like podcasts and, and, and stuff, you know? And, um, so yeah, so it's very good to hear your voice right now <laughs> yeah. in capacity and, it, and it's awesome. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, well, and so I was worried about the way this conversation would go a little bit because a lot of what I'm thinking about spin a black yarn, I, it, makes me think of the other stuff I've read over the years that we haven't talked about. So it's going to be, I'm going to make references. Um, but so the first kind of thing about spin to black yarn, it's a, it's a collection of five, five novellas, five novellas. Um, and even if it's not kind of explicitly intentional, I believe they're all, they all take place kind of in the same, same town, Sam Hatton, right? Yep. Yeah. I think, so not, I think half the house is haunted is, 
is just outside in Chaps, but I'm not, I can't remember if that's entirely right right now, but I think that's the one that's outside, but it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all kind of grouped together and that harkens back a little bit to the way that Goblin is structured, but maybe not as much as part of like the narrative of it. Is that accurate to say? I could not agree more. Goblin, <laughs> with Goblin, the city was the main character. And once I had that main character, I could write any story in Goblin and the main character would be present. Here it was different. I feel like Sam Hatton, like I need to be in a certain, um, what's the right, right phrase? Like a colorful state of mind or something for Goblin. Goblin's a very colorful place, even yeah. though it's raining all the time. And it, but it's all these obsessives and... And Sam Hatton is like a colder, almost like a white canvas to play with. It's like, it seems like, like the buildings are like, like white and gray. And it's this like more industrial than Goblin. And let, no, I don't know if tourists really go to Sam Hatton, maybe to see the um, cemetery in the center of town or whatever. Um, whereas Goblin, there's a million things to do. So there's a natural sort of cold wind that runs through um, Sam Hatton for me that was really really fun to to work with i almost see spin a black yarn yeah it's, it's that white canvas like maybe i was like um using uh chalk or whatever whereas goblin is like an oil painting yeah oh that's an interesting way to put it yeah um and it almost feels like sam hatton is less notoriously full of scary shit like yeah almost Except as if like it's filling up it's filling up fast though <laughs> Well, that's what, you know what? It's funny you say that because I was thinking to myself, like, this has more of a feeling of like every place has its bad moments, but there is like a uptick, like the charts going like, like this, it seems like for Sam Hatton. <laughs> yeah. The very first story I ever wrote that takes place in Sam Hatton was the Givens Sensor Board. And I wrote it for Max Booth in Lost Signals and nice. real fast. Um, it's like a new, newfangled like board that lets you know if you bury someone alive. Okay, and so so this teenager is working the night shift, and and they had just buried the town's only known serial killer, Randy Scotts. Ah, yep. And yep. while the teenager is in the little booth, Randy Scotts' light starts going off, and it becomes like, what do you do if a dude like that <laughs> you find out? So then he calls the police. They're like, don't worry about it. And he calls the priest. Yeah. <laughs> he calls you, and he realizes this was all intentional, you know. So, by the way, that's the fate that befalls Randy Scotts. Um, but uh, yeah, from there, real fast, a Ben Evans film, which is um, a guy that decides to make a movie starring his parents, but his parents die, and he refuses to give up, so he makes a movie starring his dead parents, and that also takes place in Sam Hatton, and then Daphne as well. Yeah. Yeah. And now, like him. Yeah. So that thing about the burying alive thing reminds me of, I can't remember what it was because I was a kid when I watched it, but there was something that I watched probably at early, too early of an age. But like the only thing I remember of it was these two people had, a, it was like a prison and there was like a deal where like, Oh, wait, no, um, I, I know exactly where you're you know going. exactly what it is. Please go, please go. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so I'll tell you what I remember. Cause it might be interesting to see how wrong I am, but like, um, there was some sort of deal where it's like the next person that gets buried, you get into the casket and then I'll dig you out. And that's how you escape. And then it's, and like once they are in the casket, all buried and everything, they light a match or something and realize it's the person that's supposed to dig them out. Yeah. Is that, yep. is that right? Yep. That's yeah. exactly. It ends, it ends with like lighting the match and the guy that's supposed to dig them out is in the box with them. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah it's think, probably, yeah. The most terrifying thing of my childhood oh, was like, yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Me too, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I have, Ooh, yeah. Um, I, I think that's a Hitchcock presents. It's okay. I think it is. We let's look it up after this or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll look it up after this. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have, because man, that's just like, because obviously as a child, it never occurred to me that like, but the permanency of it, like the inescapability of that, that horror just destroyed me. I was like terrified. It was so effective. It was so good. Oh, and like, God, I almost didn't want to talk about this shit, but also like for that to happen with someone else in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't even know which yep. one's worse. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> You just gotta like pray that the air runs out faster than yeah. Like, I guess that's right. I don't know. Like, yeah. Maybe you guys but, can um, like make out as the air runs out or something. <laughs> Please, there's something to do. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Ooh. Yeah. Little um tangent there, but anytime like being buried alive is mentioned, that's the first thing I, I know. A lot of people probably go to like I don't know what Kill Bill or something, but like, holy crap, man, that one always creeps yeah, up in my so. mind. <laughs> and Poe also, I think about like, it's just, Ooh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sam Hatton and, and we, I guess we could probably talk a little bit about one of the things I love about things that are loosely linked or thematically linked would be references to other stories, which there were definitely a few, um, kind of neatly dropped here and there. Like, uh, Oh, I think it was Argyle where um, Daphne got mentioned really briefly. Like we were afraid of Daphne for a while. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm sure there's there's references I didn't get, but um, like a reference to a cemetery. And obviously the, um, was it Randy Gates or whatever? Randy uh, what, Scott, uh, yeah. Randy Scott, sorry about that. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah. And then even like um, uh, uh, wanting to go to a pig farm was came up at one point. Okay, so that's, her- that's that's my that's my favorite one, and I forgot about that. Like yeah. when I was doing the rewrite, and she's I remember uh, Judy is talking about um, for listeners. This is in Doug and Judy by the House Washer, and oh, these two are pieces of work. And and Judy is um, talking about her friend that went the hippie route and this idealist and blah blah. And she's like, oh gosh, she was even talking about going up to Chowder to free this like pigs, you know, this pen of pigs. And then she's like. As it, you know, she made it sound like they were like talking to her, whatever, whatever she says. Yep. Yep. Is that we know that yep. golden hearted or not, the only reason that woman wanted to go to Chowder was because Pearl was telling her to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So good, man. So, so good. Um, so, yeah, I love that aspect of it too. Like um, that there's a, a familiarity between like a, a, the, not as much as Goblin where Goblin, like you said, is the main character, but like you, you um, you're referencing these other stories because there's almost no way they didn't have an impact on normal people in one way or another. Like, of course it's something that people talk about because if it's a small town like this, what else are they going to talk about? Right. It has to, exactly. Like it would almost be silly to like ignore the Daphne moment or something. Yeah. How do I not bring this up? Yeah. Right. Which, by the way, I I'm sad that I didn't have something set up where we could talk about Daphne because holy shit, like I've loved so I love Goblin, I love Pearl, all of this stuff, but I feel like Daphne just in some way was just 
extra amazing. Uh, I don't know what it was. It read great. It was just terrifying. And like the whole thing about anxiety and everything. So uh, I like can't say enough good stuff about Daphne. Um, uh, thank you. You know, I, I've been looking for a minute, like for a book, like anxiety as monster. And I, and I yeah. wrote a book, mm-hmm. I wrote a book called pest that essentially is a guy that he's losing his lust for life, but he doesn't believe that's possible for him to do this. So he sets out to trap the entity that's doing this to him. Essentially he's trying to like trap depression. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I don't suffer from depression. And, and, I, and I think that's fine to write about it anyway, but I, you know, I, I do experience anxiety and for a long time, it's been like, like that whole 911 call that she makes, that's like verbatim what happened with me verbatim. Wow. wow. And, um, like my mom is out. Well, my mom is in the book. Her mom's there, but in reality, my mom is out. My brother was asleep in the back room and I called 911 on myself because I was like, I'm, I'm like losing my freaking mind. Or I, I told him, I was like, I can do anything I want with my life, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just like her in the, like this overwhelming thing. And so I hope that Daphne feels a bit more like earnest in that way, a little more like, you know, there's no, whereas Ghoul in the Cape and Unburied Carolite, there was a lot of pride in terms of like how it was written. Mm-hmm. With Daphne, the sense was like, how honest can this be? Yeah. And that rang true. Like, um, I, I didn't have as much um, struggles with anxiety um, after being, after, you know, be, getting out of being a teenager. So, um, but the people in my life, man, who that rang true for, it rang so true. Like it was, is it was like you were speaking for people uh, the way that I saw reactions to the book. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is a pretty magical thing going on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I'm done with that subject. I don't know what that means. But I think I'm done with that subject yet. Yeah. Good. Well, I mean, yeah. Um, it was an excellent story too. Like, thank you so much. Holy shit. And very cinematic. Like I was like, I'm seeing this on a movie screen in my mind as it was going on. So awesome. Um, but anyway, I know I'm just keep like throwing praise at you. We could actually talk about stories and stuff. No, no, no. And there, um, I will say, I will let me tell you this much real fast. There is a movie side in the works and that, it's yeah. written, written by like a brilliant woman um, that I, I'm not going to tell you who, because you'll know who it is and what she's done. And I probably can't say that kind of thing yet, but she's brilliant. Um, hasn't been casted yet, mm-hmm. but Everyone involved seems like I read the first draft of the script and it was totally awesome. And it starts with um, uh, they're in like a hotel room instead of like Natasha's house, and they're like shooting like like um, socks into like a little like into a paper basket or something in yeah. the hotel room. Like if I make this shot, you know, that's awesome. I'll make a million dollars, you know, blah blah. blah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's how it opens. It's cool. That is really cool. Good. Yeah. I would love. I'd love to see that. So I'm looking forward to whatever comes from that. Um. And then, oh, that reminded me of, I know, I'm all over the place, man. I'm sorry. This is what happens when I don't talk to you for three years. Yeah. Um, then that was, there was the whole kind of um, uh, sibling thing between Daphne being very, having a heavy basketball theme to it and Jones's, um, the only good Indians, having a really big horror themed story that had a, a basketball thing going on. So I was like, are we at a basketball moment? Is yeah. this going to be, <laughs> yeah, like a climactic basketball moment for him. I, um, you know, it's funny. I, I think I wrote a book called track and field 
it was the second book I ever tried to write, but then I ended up writing it way down the line. Um, and in the very first book I wrote, there were there was a gym class, and you know they were like doing like layup drills or whatever. I've always wanted to write um, a basketball story, but when I I saw that he had done that, I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and did it so effectively. Like, um, yeah, it's great. It was great. Yeah. Man. yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like something that you would immediately pair with horror, but the way that, yeah, the, the mentality and, and there's a lot of stuff that you can like hook into that, into a, into a story like that. So I'm glad you guys both explored that. It was really cool. Um, all right. I want to talk about fucking, I want to talk about some of these stories. Um, sweet. And I, I don't know if I'm going to go necessarily in, in um, the exact order. And I don't know if we'll have time to talk about all of them. But, like, I want to say that. So the first novella in the book is Half the House is Haunted. And, um, it's like, it's one of those things, man, where, like, you, you're reading a story. And the story starts making you think about what does this mean. And the whole idea of half of a house being haunted and, like, the way that the kid doesn't really know at first because it starts out with the kids being six and eight. And then it sees them later in life and later in life, like the kid not understanding what that meant. And then having to think about what would that mean for half the house to be haunted? I thought was like such a cool premise and like launching it when they're kids was a great way to like, just get you thinking like if only half the house is haunted, how can you ever be sure you're safe and stuff? There was so much to it. It was so good to think about. So where the hell did that come from? I think it, it was, I think it was with what you were just saying about, because if you know the whole house is haunted, it's almost like, okay, you know, and I've never even heard of anything but the whole house being haunted. Right. <laughs> but, but, if, but if you are told only half is, there would be this moment of like, oh, great. Well, let me find the half. <laughs> and then it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like, I think I was just, you know, thinking about it in those terms one night. I'm like, oh yeah, let's write this one. And then it started to feel like, um, well, originally, yeah, it started to feel like a lead-off story just because it kind of hits the ground running in terms of um, how, the, how, how Robin and Stephanie are talking to each other. And originally, real fast, Daphne was a novella at first and was originally story one in this collection. Oh, okay, cool. And Trisha at Del Rey was like, you have two books here. This, this book, <laughs> Daphne, own novel. And you start spinning black yarn with half the house is haunted, and I was like, "Oh, wow, really?" And she she showed me what she had in mind because she was like, "You didn't talk much about like McGowan and Daphne and this kind of thing." If you talk about her, you know, it was it was close. It was like thirty five k already. It was it was big already. Yeah. Then she was like, um, "Whatever." So then I started to see half the house is haunted when I'm like going through the rewrites and everything. I started to see it as like this, the right lead off because of. They're only six and eight, but it, yeah, it hits the ground running like right away. You, <laughs> Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I, yeah, it just, it's cool because then you start as a read, what happened to me as a reader, um, first of all, because it's a six and an eight year old, you don't know really what the intentions are. If we're hearing a six year old tell you that their sibling is being mean, every six-year-old thinks that their older sibling is mean to them. So like how much is it actually mean? How much is like perception or just not getting what you want and stuff like that. So there was that kind of unsure thing. And um, 
But then like, yeah, back to the whole idea of half the house is haunted. Does that mean daytime is nighttime? Isn't, is there like specific areas of the house that are and aren't like are certain people in the house haunted and other people safe? Like it was such yeah. a cool, like as a reader, I was like, maybe I can figure this out from the clues. He's like little breadcrumbs. He's dropping. I was, was reading through it. <laughs> when, when I uh, started writing that story, I saw it as one half would be haunted and one half would not. And, and I almost imagine characters making it to the other side, you know, yeah, that's okay. fun, yeah, right. That's fun. Yeah. But Stephanie just kept saying crazy stuff to Robin. Like, Oh, is it this step or is it this step? Is it that room or that room? Is it the outside or is it the inside? Is it data yeah. or is it not? Or is yeah. it you? Is it? And, and then I was like, you know what? Let's, yeah, let's go with what she's saying. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that one ultimately ends up being like, so sweet, like bittersweet, I guess is the best way to say it. Cause it follows them through to like, it's in three parts. And the third part is one is I think 80 and the other one has recently passed away. And so like this whole lifetime of these octogenarians is, is being reflected on and like all that fear over the years and what did it mean? And really an exploration of fear in general um, tied up into this kind of bittersweet letter he got from his, his sister when she like the, part of the will or whatever. Um, and yeah, like, no, that was cool. Cause it was really like, it made me think about how, what we want to do for the people in our lives that we care about and what they think we're doing might be really different things. And there's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know you're doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, you know, for fear of spoiling something, I just, I, I would say, that my heart like goes out to Stephanie in a strange way, like, you know, in a very strange way. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, was the musician part of it just kind of pulled from your, your personal experience of traveling and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. Because there's this, there were, there, there were times where I would return home. Remember we were on the road for six years, played like 250 shows a year or something. And when you came home, it kind of felt like you'd been like, like not just moved something, like you've been away. Yeah. And when you come back and like, in this case, his sister's still in the house. It's almost like unfathomable. It's almost like jarring. Yeah. That like mom still lives here and, and, and Ryan still works. My brother Ryan still works here, which actually he's, he ended up changing a million times. But like that kind of thing, like suddenly you're like, it's almost jarring in a sense. Like how the world has changed so much since I've been here last. And I wanted that element for Robin. I wanted him to come back. And there was something just like striking, immediately striking about the fact that, gosh, she still lives in this house. Right. This house that she told him 10,000 times was half haunted. <laughs> right. It's like, why doesn't she just leave then? Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. This, the, the traveling thing made me think of, I, I can't remember where, but I was listening to Billie Eilish in an interview and like her being a superstar at such a young age and going out on tour and, and all that kind of stuff, like seeing in the interview, like that she couldn't have friends or like when she had her friends, when she left to go on the road, were not her friends when she got back, because like, how do you maintain those relationships when you're gone for so long and stuff? That was like something that never occurred to me, but Holy shit, that's gotta be really difficult to deal with. Yeah. It was, it was a strange feeling. You started to feel like, not just like outside the law, you started to feel like outside the laws of nature. Like you started to feel outside of family, outside of friends, outside of locations, outside of stability, outside, you know, and, but obviously, you know, 
you're playing your songs in a different city every night and you're getting paid <laughs> pizza and booze. And I mean, it was incredible, <laughs> you know, but yeah, there was some, some hollowness there too, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then, and then from that story almost maybe feels like Robin, that was the escape uh, from the fear or whatever. Yeah. Right. Because you could look at two ways, right? You could be, one is, um, no, it was just naturally he got into music and hit the road and, but you get a sense like he was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of this town for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing in hauntings. That's like always like when I'm watching or reading a haunting thing and it seems like the obvious choice is to just get away from this thing. Right. And there's something in the story that always keeps you there to suffer. Um, and so like seeing that side of it maybe represented in a way was kind of neat too. It's like, like there was unfinished business, even though like, ostensibly the dude got away. So the book that I have coming next year, Incidents Around the House, not to throw another book into the mix, <laughs> Incidents Around the House is like an examination of that exact thing. Like, why don't you just get out? Yeah. And cool. I'm not gonna, I won't say any more right now, but that, was, <laughs> that, that, that is literally like a main pillar of the, of that book. Yeah. That's, and I love, we talked um, several times uh, about how there's kind of a moment in horror and that's been, you know, growing since like they'll, you know, I think 2018 or so was the first time we talked about this. Um, but I feel like one of the things that like horror kind of becoming a bigger thing and, and getting more consuming more audience and everything is that like, there are questions that probably didn't get asked for a long time that now, like I feel like are opening up and you're seeing more people break down, why the fuck is this like this in horror stories and like making yeah. that more focal. So that's, I'm glad to hear that we're in a time where those types of things can, can thrive. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I wish, uh, I wish I could have other examples uh, close to mind, but like, yeah, I feel like some of the real, like, first of all, I feel like there's just a diversity in the stories that are being published that, and I'm, being very careful to say in the stories that are being published, because I don't think horror just suddenly got very good or very diverse. It's probably been written for a long time. It's just, what do we get to, what do we get in front of ours, our eyes or whatever? But, um, uh, I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, well, in terms of like, uh, coming at the stories from different angles or coming at, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, like you said, like this has been this way forever. Why aren't they just like, you know, why is, why is the story like that? And there are certain things that you would just kind of like accept. And I don't even necessarily mean bad things, but like things like, like flat moves that you would just sort of accept. And I, I can't really think about it right yeah. now. But we will both later for sure. Yeah, and, I know. <laughs> and where you're just like, Oh yeah, now they do this. And then now you're like, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like, yeah, do, do this. And well, then, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think the genre begs a lot of suspension of disbelief in general. So like right. we just kind of, we know we have to accept something. But at some point, a Josh Mallerman comes around and it's like, why do we accept that? Like, you know, and then you break it apart. So I, I like that. Well, it's one of my favorite things is to find a scenario. And I think Bird Box is like this, too. Like, find a scenario that's big scenario, but we're like on a very um, like a magnifying glass up to one small part of it. You know, like Bird Box could read as like a Twilight Zone episode, like the monsters are doing Maple Street or something. And yeah. it's meanwhile, it's a global event. Yeah. But it doesn't yep. feel like that. It doesn't feel like 
like World War Z or something. It doesn't feel like the stand. It feels like right. a very a Matheson small story. And it's one of my favorite things to do is to zoom in in that way that we're talking about right now. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, that makes me think of another thing that comes up a lot in conversation lately with, with um, especially with authors is the idea that like the more specific you are, the more um, universal it feels like, you know, if you're too general about the thing you're writing about, sometimes people have a hard time connecting, but if you're very, very specific, somehow people feel like they can identify with it, which seems kind of backwards, but um, I find that to be true. Like if you're telling me about, oh man, I had a, you know, crappy experience at the grocery store. I don't have a lot to connect to, but if you're like, if you tell me like, oh, you know what? I dropped a head of lettuce and then I picked it up, but then I bumped my head and like, you go in a lot of detail. (laughs) I feel the moment that I had that was like that. And I'm like, I know exactly where you are. So I think there's a bit of that kind of. I wonder how much of that, I wonder how much of that is, um, like social media and stuff or because think about it, there was a point in time where all we knew of an author was like a little bio, maybe one interview, a photo. Yeah. And then yeah, like the literally all I had with Dean Koontz or Stephen King was just like Anne Rice was this one photo and then like a different, oh, there's a new author photo like two books later. <laughs> and like maybe now like, you know, you would look at the little bio to get more info on them and there was no more barely. Yeah. Um, and now with Wikipedia and social media, blah, blah, blah. Um, I wonder if like it's in, in, a, in a good way um sort of asked us like asked the writer to be more um forthcoming more honest more specific could be yeah well yeah something in there i wonder if something happened in there i don't know i mean we and i feel like especially well i'm kind of i've been doing podcasts and interviewing people for a long time so i think my experience is different than the average person but like when i read a book by you or paul tremblay or whatever I'm reading my friend's book in a way. So like I'm looking for the things I know about that person. So that's probably way more prevalent now than it was. Like you said, when we were reading the back cover of the book and being like, I guess that's what Robert McCammon looks like or whatever. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I guess it's from the South. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Argyle. God damn it, man. Um, uh, everything about that story is just fucking fantastic. Like from the very beginning to just the last couple of words. So for anybody who's listening, you definitely haven't read this yet. Um, it's a kind of a deathbed confession of a guy who's always felt the urge to be a killer and um, has always fought to kind of resist that urge. Um, and uh just so well done. And I was reading this whole time and I'm like, where is he going with this? Where is he going with? I hope he's going in this direction. And anyway, without spoiling anything from it, um, just a really satisfying story start to finish. So is that another one of those? Like, um, well, what would happen if kind of, kind of playful things that, is that how it started? First of all, thank you so much. Um, yeah, you know, God, Argyle is an interesting one for me, man. I, I was doing, during the rewrite. I'm like, are there any chapter breaks in this one? I'm like, no. <laughs> going and going and going and going for like yeah. 25 words, whatever it is. So I have a friend, I, you know, who had said like some crime was committed on, um, and we heard about it on TV or something. And he said something about one of my bandmates. He said um, something, something to the effect of like, thank God I'm not wired that way to have done this thing. Yeah. 
And, and I was like, what? Like my first reaction was like, what? You know? And then I thought about that later. I'm like, wow. I think it was like a sexual thing when he, when, what he was talking about. And I was like, wow, what, like whose first instinct would be like reaction would be like, well, well, he didn't say I feel bad for that guy. He just said, thank God I'm not <laughs> wired that way. And like, that yeah. was interesting to me. And I'm like, well, huh? Well, what if you were, and then you didn't do anything or no, no. And then you resisted it. So you yeah, did yeah. do something. You resisted it. What kind of life would that be? Not only the torturousness of that life, but what kind of gratitude would that be? Or a relief would it be at the end of that life to have been like, I did it. I, or I didn't yeah. do it. Right, I did it. Right. Do it. So that was, that had been in my mind for a while, that idea. And I just, I think I started it like, I think I finished half the house haunted and I think I started Argyle the next day. Like, I think it just went like one right into right the next. On. And, um, and it maybe it helped that there was a deathbed letter and, and moments in half the house that had oh, seen yeah, yeah. deathbed in Argyle. And so, yeah, that one came out super fluid. I was obviously the Randy Scott stuff sort of at some point, just, you know, I hadn't planned on doing that. And then I was like, Oh shit, there was, there was a, there was a killer yeah. in this town not long ago and, and maybe they crossed paths and, and that added a bunch in terms of, you know, what it is for me, what it starts to become is that when you're at that age of like self-discovery and then here, this guy is at this, discovering something really weird and then cross paths with a like-minded guy. And that guy is really weird. Yeah. And like, and it's like, Oh no. Like, where am I? Who am I? Am I really going to do this? And the sister that has been like, keeping tabs on the whole thing and the voice of reason friend Argyle and yeah. all of that together felt like a coming of age thing to me, even though it doesn't, I wouldn't necessarily classify that story as coming of age, but there is a There are those couple beats yeah. of like, like I know that I know, I know the feeling he was having, but in my own way and in, in you and your way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could, there could be an argument that there's a coming of age element to it. Yeah. Cause it is someone who's discovering what they are and, struggling with what that means and all yeah it's in there for sure yeah yeah um i think that one of the things that really worked for me about the story was that it was all um hypothetical like the way because it was a guy who was so feeble that he couldn't you know get out of he, he could barely sit up in the bed much less hurt anybody but you saw what he was capable of thinking of doing and talking about really the urges and everything and, and controlling them or trying to um, the whole like hypothetical aspect of it was just like, Oh man, now this guy's in my imagination and like I, you know, anything could happen. And, and so that was, that was a cool aspect of it was he was so incapable of doing anything while talking that that kind of made anything possible in a way, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that like, it almost makes you think like, so if this guy didn't do it, like there's gotta be someone like that out there. Right. Right. And like, what, didn't, <laughs> what didn't he do? Like how many, like yeah, how many yeah. people are, you know, having dinner with their family because this guy managed to overcome an urge on that night. Like that's yeah. really kind of fucked up. <laughs> I know. And, and it really is. And it's like, you and I don't want to do that, but we're good men. But what kind of good man is this that wanted to do that, but didn't like what yeah. level is that of, I mean, that's like battling on, a, on an identity and a, an internal war that I don't think that I can fully fathom. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, it puts it on you. Like if someone had said to you, Hey, my whole life, I've wanted to be this awful person and I've managed to not be it. Do you congratulate them? Is that something that's worthy of, you know, like recognition? comes back to my friend Jason saying, thank God I'm not wired that way. Because <laughs> in this case, and I, I understand a killer can be can be created. I get it. But let's just say for the sake of this that like someone like Sean is just born that way, right? Wired that way. Mm-hmm. And and like in this case, yeah, there is a congratulations in order. If, by the way, uh, listeners, if he actually did resist the whole time. Right. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, there is a, there is like a congratulations in order because it's like you were wired this way and 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 knew there was enough right or wrong ticker inside you whatever it was to say like to end up on the side of right. Yes, I would say that that is. Whereas, you know, your friend that just wanted to, I don't know, like do like dumb shit or terrible shit. Like, no, he doesn't deserve a congratulations if he didn't yeah. do a terrible idea. Right. Okay. Well, and then I think it poses an interesting question because. If there are like two different scenarios, if this person always has urges and never in, in, uh, um, never indulges, probably we can congratulate that person. But if this person has always had urges, did something bad one time, and then after that stopped the urges, that's a much harder um, oh, scenario. That, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, so what's the threshold for like good person versus right, because if you yeah. want to be kind of silly, right? If you wanted to kill six times or if you wanted to kill 60 times, yeah, you only did it once. Right. And no, that, so, <laughs> which reminds me of, because then you're a killer. Like if you're never a killer and you've always wanted to kill, but you don't, that's one thing. But if you just killed the one time there's a, so the TV show justified, there's a quote that I'll always remember because I thought it was really good. Uh, he's talking to someone who's like, oh, I've been good. I've been good. And he said something along the lines of like, that's the thing about criminals. They're always trying to get me to congratulate them for not doing shit that they shouldn't have done in the first place. Yeah. Yep. So, but it's because they already are criminals like that, that makes him feel that way about it. So yeah, there, that was an interesting I, thing. No, to think I, about. I always think about that, you know, when I, when I, and it's, it's kind of a harrowing thought to be honest with you, it's kind of dark, but when I see something on the news, like, and the neighbor's like, we had no idea. And then I think to myself, like this guy or this girl wasn't a killer until like, until like they did it like yesterday or whatever. And now they are. And it's a real yeah. harrowing thought to have like, yeah, like they, like up to yesterday, they weren't someone that would do this because yep. they hadn't done it. Like there are a few, there are a few things like that. Like Allison isn't, or sorry, Allison is the type of person that to like parachute out of an airplane. She hasn't done that, but she is the kind of person that would. Right. This, I am not. This, <laughs> is, this is, um, this is different. When you're talking about something like this extreme, either you have done it or you have not. You cannot say you're the kind of person to do it, but you haven't. That's not, right. no. Right. So, to see someone like cross it, like I, I can't help but have this horrible, harrowing thought when I see that in the news that that person crossed over last night. Yep. They crossed over that yeah. line last night. Yeah. 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 So this was a, I, I think of all the ones that 
in the book, I feel like this one was the most satisfying to just think about because it's like a really fun what if. Like, it sounds terrible because it's like we're talking about someone who wants to kill people and calling it a fun one if sounds a little bit weird. But here we are. Um, but yeah, that was like, that was the one where it's like, oh man, um, it's it's an impossible, not an impossible, but a tricky question to answer. Like, do we think this person's, does he get a high five? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, his sister ends up popping up later on, uh, really briefly, right? So she pops up in, yeah. there are two scenes in Spin of Black Yarn, the whole book, that that I think on the, not the gross out meter, but whatever that, the extreme meter is like, she's got one and Igrav has one. Mm-hmm. That really yeah. sort of leave out, like, I could see, like, my family members being like, hey, what, 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 what hold on. <laughs> At dinner for one scene, I'm like, can we talk? Can we not ever uh, talk about that again? Or, or in Ethel's case, I don't want to say what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm, yeah. And that moment, like, I, I haven't walked by the kitchen without thinking of that moment since. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the dinner for one. Oh man, we'll get we'll get her into Igorov. Um, but woo, yeah, that was a moment, wasn't it? Without going directly into one of the next stories specifically, I kind of got a sibling feeling from the type of thing I was getting from both Doug and Judy by the house washer and the Jupiter drop in a way. Um, it, oh yeah. It, like they both kind of felt like um, personal ghosts kind of coming back to haunt you kind of stories. Um, were those written near each other? Was it like a theme that was going on in your head or? No, no. The Jupiter drop is the oldest story in the book. Okay. And um, Doug and Judy is uh is one of the newer ones also, but what's it called? Um, Trisha, again, she was the one that I think she ordered. She was the one that said it should go house washer, Jupiter drop this. And I was like, that seems odd to have the two like, more <laughs> sci-fi ones together, you know, but in a strange way, it kind of think about it. It goes from, you, you, I guess you would have started with Igorov if you're doing total chronological, but start with the kids are six and eight. So that's the past. Yeah up to the present, then Sean in the present, then Doug and Judy has got to be like the present, but if anything's a year or two further along, it's Doug and Judy. And then the Jupiter drop, which is much further along. And yeah. then Igrav's like the distant past. Yeah. I, then I started to see the arc that she had made with her order. And I was like, oh, that's, that's sweet. So right not written um, near each other, but definitely coming from the same same part, you know, same part of the writer, same part of the mind. And Trish is the one that put them side by side. Gotcha. Yeah. I think thematically they work well next to each other. Um, so Doug and Judy by the house washer, um, this incredibly rich, I think it starts out by saying like that they're assholes. I think that's the first line <laughs> in the story. Is, yeah. So you already know what you feel about these people. They buy this thing that basically like they, this company installs a housewide system that cleans everything in the house perfectly, but it's a liquid that fills up the house and they have to stand in this tube, which is a perfect setting for um, uh, you can't go anywhere and you're stuck dealing with whatever is put in front of you. So um, in this specific case, the way that the system works and there's definitely like a, a hinting that there might be a sinister element to this thing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. That's the most creep show story in the, in the 
but like, yeah, yeah your like dirty secrets are kind of basically floating past you. Um, yeah. And like, you have nothing to do but deal with it. So that was a really cool. Um, but to see it through the eyes of these two, just, I don't want to say broken people, but just, they're not human in a way. They're so ambitious and ugly. Oh. God, it's so ugly. Like how they always talk about. It. I think it's they call it the rise. Is that what they the call rise. it? The rise. Yeah, the rise with a capital like, R. Right with a capital R. So <laughs> like, when when she's like, when he's like, uh, or she's like, you slept with this woman, and he's like, Judy, that was on the rise. Meaning yeah. anything was allowed on the rise, dude. Like it's and that's part of the plan. Yeah. And and then yeah. her on the way back, dog, that was on the rise, and it's like, mm. you know, and it's like he has to accept that because <laughs> he speaks that language, and. Yeah. I don't know what language they're talking, but you know, I do sense a kernel of humanity in Judy. I think that, I think there's the, even though like she does probably the most heinous thing in the story. Um, if you remember, she, yeah. put it this way, she had a reason to screw people over. I mean, not a reason, but um, they were in her way on the ladder, but then there's some incident that she talks about that that person wasn't yeah. in the way, man. And yeah. so, yeah, so there's still something about Judy, though, even though she did the most heinous thing that I I sense, like, she could have freaking gone a different way and she didn't. Whereas Doug, I don't think Doug was going any other way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, I think the story with the word the rise, it, it obviously was talking about being the most wealthy and successful people, being at the pinnacle of, you know, what the idea of, like, capitalist success is. And, um, but then it makes you think about like, is that the rise? Is that what we should all be, um, trying for? Like, is that what is going to make life good? Is there a different type of rise? And so, um, that, that was the part that, you know, toward the later part of the story, I was like, oh, maybe there is a different rise that kind of matters more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Allison and I had just moved into like the first house that I had ever like rented on my own, but I mean, I was renting with her. Um, I, I just real fast. I was living in an apartment, met Allison three months later, I got a book deal. And about the time bird box comes out. Now I'm renting a house with Allison mm-hmm. and we are, we're walking around the house. And I, I mean, there was, God, uh, it was like 2,800 square feet or something. I mean, it was huge like to us. It was so, I mean, that's a big house either way. And, and I was just like, oh, we, I was just walking around saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they're like, yeah, I don't even know how spectacular the place was or not. I just have never, I've never <laughs> been somewhere like that. Right. And I said to Allison, I'm something to the effect of like, man, imagine cleaning this place. And then I was, like, <laughs> I was standing with her and I was like, oh, come here, come here. Well, what if the you and I are like, we're like standing in this like tube, like this tube comes up around us and the whole house fills with this solution and all of our stuff is like cleaned around us and we're like standing like in the living room you know and then i was thinking oh god and then imagine if like all the terrible deeds that got us to the great house are swirling around us and like all the terrible shit we did and we're like stuck like staring at it you know losing our minds so for a long time i would say to allison like i gotta write the house washer remember the house washer and she's like oh yeah you gotta write that one and then i think i think the house washer was written after argyle so yeah um, so then, yeah, when, when I got, when I finished those first two stories, I think I was like, okay, you know what? Now's the time. Let's do the house washer. That's awesome. Yeah. I love, I love the, like where these little like inspirations come from. Um, I was re-listening to the last time I talked to you on booked, um, for Mallory, for Mallory, I think it was for Mallory. Yeah. Cause it was right after Carpenter's farm. And, um, 
like in the conversation, we kept giving you ideas for new like Mallory World stuff, and like you were like yeah. all so jazzed about it. And I was like, "This is how <laughs> this is where inspiration comes from." It's just like let's think oh, together. So yeah, right, um, no, I'm I'm working on a nonfiction book lately, and by the way, that's I'm beginning to think that we should actually have like a second hour if you want to, like like tomorrow or something because because now I'm starting to feel like like I mean I I can do it tomorrow if you can. Um, um, because I'm, have to be the- and I'm like, man, we haven't even got the Juba drop in it. And I feel like we haven't even like talked much. <laughs> I know we can get two more hours. Oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, let's talk about that in the next few. Like, let's go with your thought and then we'll okay. figure out a thing. Wait, where where, where was it though? Uh, uh, you've been writing a nonfiction. Yeah, um, right. And oh, yeah. And, it, and it's saying a lot in there. Okay. So I'm writing a nonfiction book. And there's a lot in there that talks about like the minute you learn a word it's yours now like don't be embarrassed using it the next day because or even in front of the person who taught you like at one point you didn't know the word fork your parents taught you now it's yours yeah. same thing with like philosophy same thing with like having an open mind towards someone like just because you were like it's okay to pivot philosophy on a dime it's okay to you know yeah you, yeah you say something and then your girl or your friend says something back and then you're like now i think now i believe that because that is right and like it's okay to just immediately accept that same thing with the inspiration for like stories like like you guys are talking about Mallory and so oh, that's a good story idea well well there it is that's what that's all it is yep. it's not like you know yeah. it's like that's a good story idea but you know normally I go to the well for my story ideas <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be like, fortunately if this one's in there then I'll let you know you know it's like no no, no that's yeah exactly There's just moments like that right yeah so so I'm very aware of like actually taking those moments like seriously no, yeah, and um, one of the most gratifying things about doing this, where I get to talk to authors and I get to like tap their creative mind, is not not only just learning about what's happening, but like you know, I know that we all kind of leave our fingerprint on people. So like the fact that we've talked, I've known you almost ten years now. Uh, I'm not saying that like I had an impact on a story you wrote, but like. Um, I got to be along for the ride. And there's something that's really cool about that. There's something that's really, um, I, I don't know, like satisfying and, and like, it's all collaborative. We're all here together. If, if we make, if you, you make a positive influence in my life, if I make a positive influence back, it's all pushing towards something cool. Yeah. And that brings me back to the thinking of your voice being, you know, one of the first of the two voices that I heard for every book up to like inspection or even maybe even past that. And, um, you're right. That is interesting, right? Because again, me and Allison in a park, lit, like in the dark, listening yeah. to you guys talk, booked, and um, just like being like, oh, no, the, oh, wow, no, did you hear that, Allison, about what he said about Pearl? Did you hear what he said? You know, and it's like that's that symbiosis is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And then your art, your, I, I don't know if you call it art, but I would definitely call it art <laughs> what you do. Your art is inspiring me. Yeah, and then I'm writing son, and then you're talking about it, and then and then like yeah, that's how it goes. Well, and one of the things I think um, it, it's got to be hard to create in a vacuum. Like you, if you made Bird Box and no one ever said anything about what they felt about it, like how do you build momentum off of that? Um, so, like as a person who's done a podcast for a long time, there's a lot. There's not a lot of stuff coming back saying, "Hey." I really like this conversation or whatever, you know, it's kind of shouting into the void a lot. And so when I do get that feedback, that's like, Hey, that was a great conversation or um, whatever. 
that's so propulsive for whatever oh, yeah. comes next. Oh, like, no, it, it's huge. It is huge. Um, and, and uh, you know, gosh, you know, it's funny. I think back to um, my drummer is in the passenger seat. His girlfriend is driving. Her twin sister is in the back seat, and I'm in the back seat as well. This is before. This is when we're in high school, and the doors are on, and I like sang along to a line absently or whatever. And Melissa Tessa's twin said, "Well, you have a cool voice." Yeah. And like, and I was like, "Oh, yep. what?" You know, and Derek already played drums then, and then within a few years, I'm like the singer songwriter of the band with Derek and our other friends. And I there, there's a direct line from that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like and it's <laughs> amazing, you know, people like one little nugget of a response, yep. one little nugget of encouragement, and you're like. All right, man. Like, I mean, Carpenter's Farm is just on my website. I don't even, there's no comment section. There's no, I don't, I have no idea. So anything anyone's ever said at all about that is like mammoth to me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, you know, and I I feel like one of the things about, we're getting really passionate and I fucking love this. Um, One of the things about that, that I've come to learn over the years is like, you don't know what's going to push you to do that great thing. So like, you didn't know that you needed someone to say you have a cool voice or whatever to maybe push you in a direction. But once that happened, then things happen afterwards. So like you, you're not, it's not like you're, you do a, then B, then C and then success. It's like something is going to nudge you the right way. Yeah. Like like I think that I think I would imagine that a common like misconception from like a, like a reader or something would be that all authors and maybe some do, have have the whole like career or whatever like planned out or every step planned out or something right, right? so <clears throat> like oh if you got if, if if you said something in a podcast and it gave me an idea well, well you're you're already going to write this or if somebody said like you know ghoul in the cape um uh i like when you write big books you would try one of those again yeah and like and then and then literally you find yourself as the writer like the next thing you're doing is what that person encouraged you to do yeah. and i think that a lot of people be like Oh, you know, you got like a bird boxes bestseller. Like you're not, you're not actually reacting that. Yeah, no, no, you are. I am. We all are. I would think we all are. I guess I can't speak for everyone else, <laughs> but I, I know that I am. Yeah. There's, there yeah. is no strategy, no plan in that way. There's no like the next ten books need to be about <laughs> vampires. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, you've always been a person that I've taken as like. Um. There, there's a quality about you where uh you if something seems cool or exciting or whatever, you don't walk away from it. Like you like, you're like, what is this? And I feel like that type of curiosity and excitement is, is, is kind of a key to what makes you um, do the things you do. If that makes sense. Yes. So I just want to start by saying um, for continuity reasons, you, you might notice like I'm wearing a different shirt. I'm using a different camera. My webcam messed up. So we did take the weekend off and, we were having so much fun in our conversation that we didn't want to just cut it short and be like, oh, we'll talk again sometime. So we cut out more time and we're back to talk more about Spin a Black Yarn and really life and everything. Because I, I went back and I looked at what we were talking about kind of right before we were done. And it was just about like inspiration and, and um, how we get our ideas for stuff and the art that we that we put in the world is important and stuff like that. So we were like, we're really, we had a role and we were like moving pretty well. Um, and it was like, there's no way we can stop this train here. But then I was like, how do we pick up from there? So, <laughs> Cause it's been a few days and lots of stuff has happened for both of us. So, yeah. um, yeah. How was, uh, you had a different thing. You had to go do, 
um, a podcast with your band. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that was a fun experience too. Well, it, it was, you know, it's funny. I can, we've only done like one or two of those and it's a whole different world. And it's like, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, they asked me a question about bird box and, and I gave a pretty brief answer to it. Whereas normally like with you, I would have, I could have talked for a half hour about this subject alone. And, but I, I, I actually didn't even intend to give the short answer. I gave the answer and then I paused and then I said to myself, Oh, that, that's all this needed right now. This is not the <laughs> and, and I stopped, you know, I, one time I did, um, this was interesting. I had an interview with CBS, like good morning. I don't know if it's good morning America. What's on CBS It's called like good morning something. Sure. And they, but they came to our house and everything. So this is when Mallory nice. was coming out. And before the moment, before the event, like a publicist contacted me from CBS or, or was it from Penguin? I can't remember. But they were like, um, in this format, can you give shorter answers than normal? And think about it already, like how long this answer is to yours right now. Right, right. right. And I was like, oh shit. Am I, do I talk too much? <laughs> like, I was like, oh no. And then I was like kind of nervous, you know? But then when the, when the when the interview happened, I realized how simple it was to do that. Yeah. Like, for example, the, my answer to your question would have been this. <clears throat> oh, it was great. It's only, it's only the second podcast we ever did, and we, and we each kind of took turns talking. It was a wonderful passing the baton. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So that reminds me, um, this takes me way back. I was in Los Angeles back in like 2012 to, with a bunch of like writer friends and everything. And um, it was right when the movie The Dark Knight Rises came out. And so, like, one of the things we were doing was going to see that on opening day. But I don't know if you remember, there was, like, a, a shooting in Colorado that happened at yeah. the theater So the night before. So me and all of my writer friends um, go to this. We're going to go see this movie and it's the morning and there's like TV crews and stuff outside of the arc light that we went to, um, in Los Angeles. And, um, they're just like grabbing people off the street who are going to watch the movie to interview them. And, um, I had this funny instinct because they were like, came up to our group and they're like, Hey, does someone want to, um, talk to, talk to us about this, this tragedy. And the first thought I had, and this is kind of terrible, but, I, I kind of like my instinct on it was one of the people I was with produces or directs video content for like a, a cell phone company. Like he makes their, their video content and he was wearing a, a shirt with my podcast name on it. So I'm like, this guy's going to give the right kind of answers. And I pushed him in front, <laughs> him in front of the camera. So I knew that whatever he said they were going to take, cause he was going to give them like the right, right. size answers. <laughs> like short, right. Wait, is my, I'm not seeing my audio line. Yeah, I don't know why it does that sometimes, but I see it and you look good. So okay, it looks good. Okay, yeah. I look up and all I see is a flat line for me, and I'm like, God, <laughs> nope, we're good. Bruce Willis in the Sixth Sense, <laughs> I'm talking to himself right now. Oh no, that would be <laughs> the worst possible. Unless you want to like haunt me or something, I guess that would be okay. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, sorry. no, that, that's that's yeah, I, I get what you mean that that's like equal parts like what am i thinking and also no this is smart right right um yeah <laughs> uh, in a in the clutch moment i was like a i don't want to be on tv b i know who's going to do it right so yeah yeah but um yeah so uh good i'm glad that that was um 
I'm glad that that was good. And um, now we can talk about, we can pick up, we can pick up with Spin of Black Yarn. We, cause we talked about uh, the first three, Half the Houses Haunted, Argyle. And I think we did, I think we got through talking about Doug and Judy by the house um, washer, I think, cause you were talking about your inspiration, where it came from, like kind of right where we had to cut off. Um, yeah. But I guess my final thought on that is, and maybe we touched on it and I just forgot, but like, how did it feel writing assholes? Like, was it kind of fun and indulgent? A great question, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was fun. You know, Mallory is my, my ultimate character and she's the most, in, in a sense, like she's like so classy. Yeah. You know, and, and I, like even earlier today, I was thinking about like a third novel and I have this really exciting idea for you could open a third bird box book with the idea they're gone. And like, you could open like in a diner and everyone, nobody has blindfolds on and everyone's eating and, and maybe somebody walks past outside wearing a blindfold at some point, like still hanging on to that shit. Right. And like, and anytime, like, but you as a reader know something's going to happen. Right. Right. You know, yeah. Yep. So anytime like a dish is dropped or anytime the front door opens or someone laughs or your name is called and you turn around, you're like, oh, this is the moment, you know, someone's going to, someone goes to the bathroom, they're going to see something. I mean, it's just so naturally tense, right? And so I was imagining in there like, oh, maybe this time like Mallory will meet like a guy or something. And then I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like as if I'm like her brother or her dad. I'm like, no, 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 no. There will be no <laughs> relations for Mallory. Are you kidding me? And then there's another time it's like, dude, you can't give her that. You can't just like like let her have some fun in this world, you know? Like everything yeah. has to be so staunch. Okay. So to write Doug and Judy, oh, is it liberating? Yeah. It was like 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 they couldn't say anything. You know, one part that was kind of hard for me to write was um, because I'm a vegetarian and Judy's like whole like, oh, this stupid veggie, you know, tree hugging shit, you know. That was like a little hard to write because I'm like like ah, oh, oh, <laughs> like insulting yourself as you're writing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, um, there's also to me, there's also something like maybe it's because like I'm in my 40s now or something, but there's something like almost like bizarrely innocent about them to me too. In that, like, they just don't know what actually matters. Right. Like, like they just don't know, and so it's like. It's not like they're like, you know, generals in a war or like, or like, you know, a hitman or something or killing people. I mean, they've done some bad stuff, but they're just like materialistic shitheads, you know? Right. And, and there's one side of me that's like, if you're someone who isn't that way, you won't necessarily be like jealous of what they have and hate them for being the way they are. You're actually thinking almost sadly, like these two have no idea what matters. Right, you pity them, yeah. You pity them, yeah. You and in the end, I sort of end up feeling bad for them, and I don't want to give any spoiler when I say that. I just mean feel bad for them in general. Like, what? what, what remember that section? I can't remember it exactly. Something about his shoes. He had like some terrible, like beat up shoes he was wearing yeah. for years. Yep. And they start to, and she's like, "You kept those gross shoes." And well, why did he? You know. And there's like a mm -hmm. sense there of yeah. like, oh, maybe he held on to those because they actually meant something to him. Right. No, like yeah. Yeah. Like they had the hints literally floating around them of like what matters in life and they're just not getting it. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, um, 
Yeah, that was really good. And then um, one of the the things that um, I thought was one of my favorite kind of like indulgent kind of like parts of the story was so the way that the thing works, you know, it fills the whole house up with this liquid and it's cleaning off everything. But every now and then you'd mention how like dead living stuff got kind of like sucked in under the the pedestal yeah. or whatever that they were yeah. on. So like every now and then as the action of, of the cleaning is happening, like a bug gets like floats down through underneath them or whatever under the thing. And um, that, you know, that was a, it was a very subtle thing you threaded throughout. Um, and, um, but there's also that thread of tension of like, they, they might not be safe. Like, what if this goes wrong? What if something happens to them? And, yeah. and so like the whole, like, you you kept um inserting in there like what could happen you know if things go wrong throughout that story um and and that was really cool because i was like anytime a bug went i'm like we're you know like is this uh is this a thing so yeah i don't know i don't want to yeah 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 you know again it's definitely whereas I don't know what Argyle, Argyle feels more literary to me or something, and Half the House is Haunted also actually does. But either way, um, Doug and Judy is less Twilight Zone to me and more Creep Show because I think yeah. in the Creep Show movies, there's always the, sort of this comeuppance. There's this, like, yeah. you know, like, like, like some asshole does something and then turns around and he's like forever trapped in this world that he hates or something. And yeah. And the, ar- so, the architect of their own downfall kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're rooting for it in a way too, you know, like the, <laughs> like the guy with the, actually with the bugs in creep show and he's such like an asshole and, and you want, you want kind of want to see him go down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> um, jumping over to Jupiter drop. I know you, that you had said that this was something that was written or it was the earliest written story. Um, yeah. The whole idea of this is, and this has got to be one of those like near or somewhat distant future kind of setups um, where people can pay for this trip to Jupiter to get like dropped through because it's a gas giant planet, like got dropped through Jupiter um, as like a touristy kind of thing. Um, what was my first thought there? Yeah, that's um, that's really I was talking to. Because this is way more sci-fi than, uh, well, I mean, like, you know, the Housewasher one kind of steps in that direction because it's got a science fiction-y kind of premise. But this takes you to another planet. And then I was thinking of, uh, I had this nice little trip down memory lane because the first time we talked, one of the books that you mentioned was um, The End and All Beginnings by John F.D. Taff. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that there's a story in there, if I remember correctly, that takes place, like, on another planet and it's really weird and everything. Um. And so then I was like, not only did I get to read the story, but then I was like reminiscing about the time that you told us about that book. And then we had him on and I was like, so I got to like, um, flashback. That's totally beside the point, but, no, um, no, but, but it's, it's an interesting <laughs> thing to bring up because it really, when you're at, when you're doing a, co- a collection of short stories or novellas to throw in like a sci-fi bent one really changes the whole color of everything. It really, yeah. you know, if you consider this like a painting or something, it's like using like uh, sudden strokes of silver. Right. Like an otherwise earthy looking painting or something. And, and then there's, there, there is something about that that adds to the like mountain range of the collection. Yeah. The dynamics. And so for me, there's no question that Jupiter drop is a horror story, 
But I mean, actually, I think the scariest part of that story is is when he's standing above the planet and he's like, you know what? No, no, no. I want off. I want yeah. off. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, you know, you're going. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. And then he just drops, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. That, I mean, the whole thing is to somebody, me, who's a social butterfly and who doesn't love being stuck in a place, um, that's like a claustrophobic nightmare to me. But to someone like Steve Ringwald, um, I don't know why that's one of my favorite names I've come up with, Steve Ringwald. I don't know if it's because my dad, Steve, and Molly Ringwald, I have no idea, but I love that name. <laughs> and um, But to Steve Ringwald, hey, man, it's the most luxurious thing you could do. But Steve is coming from, for listeners, Steve is coming from a much different place than um, Doug and Judy. He, uh, he he may be able to afford this, but he's he, he's not of the same ilk as those two. Right. Um, yeah, definitely a different setup. Uh, the... Um... The thing that I, when you're talking about the scary part where the, so the whole setup is very questionable because, oh, oh no. The one thing I wanted to say was like, there's a little kind of thing in the beginning that implies that he's just doing it to impress like a waitress at a, at a diner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, of course we would fucking be that. I would be that guy, you know, I'd be yeah. like, oh, you think that's cool? Guess what? I'm doing it. I'll go all the way to Jupiter, <laughs> all through a planet for three months, so that when I get back here, I can be like, I did it. Yeah. What do you think of me now? Yeah, you want to go on a date? <laughs> and she's like, uh, no, I'm married. And you're like, ah, oh, shit. I, I, yeah, she's like, I hooked up with the other Jupiter guy who just got back like a, <laughs> while you were gone. There was, a, there was a guy that went to Uranus. No, that's terrible. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the whole setup of him getting there, not only is it creepy when he's like at the last minute yeah. uh, changing his mind, but... Yeah. Um, he doesn't talk to anybody else who's done it. Um, they're not really forthcoming um, with, you know, the process of like, once he like signs, you know, signs the thing and, and is on his way, they're like, we're done with you. You're on your trip now. It's not like we're, we're prepping you or anything. It's it, it, so he goes in really unprepared. Cause I think he, we all do the thing of like, we're getting a sales pitch and they explain all the important stuff to you and nobody pays attention. Like, so he's not, maybe allowing himself to be as prepared as possible. So all of that means when he gets there and it's time to, there's no turning back. He's like, what the fuck did I do? And that's the first time that he really kind of decided, Oh, maybe it's important to know what this is all about. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, to like, you know, to the hard science fiction fan, this is the most ridiculous story ever written because, (laughs) because there's like, what are you talking about? He just falls through Jupiter in a plexiglass apartment, but you know, you know, whatever it can withstand the pressure and the storms and it's got jets on it and blah, blah, blah. So he's falling, but it's all like homeostasis. It's like, he's cooking eggs. He's taking a shower right. he, <laughs> as this thing's like dropping through Jupiter. So it's more like, it's more bizarrely. It's more like a scenic route and the most like, and by the way, can you imagine how freaking awesome that would be yep. just, just for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also gets, um, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, like fake people? What do you, what do you call that? Um, oh, like, um, like, um, uh, like hologram people? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Like hologram, like people. And an original draft had um, most of those people were more like um, women for him to like hang out with and stuff. And then I kind of like, nah, 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 nah. We don't need you know, this. This trip doesn't need to be all about that. Right. Um, but I do imagine if it was myself, I'd be like, well, let's see here. We can... Is there any ladies or any holographic <laughs> ladies? I can, 
I, I would like invite my like like friends to play cards with and right, stuff. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the Zoom meeting to Jupiter while you're falling through a planet. Oh my kind God. Of. Yeah. Um. I will say this, and I don't mind spoiling this. Uh, is that because to me this is a major part of that story? Is he's kind of like fleeing like this guilt that he's been dealing with in a sense, because and it's really weird. Like he was coming home, he was parking the car, and he kind of nicked, just nicked a neighbor that was like kind of like the leaves in the gutter or whatever it was, whatever the neighbor was doing. And there was long enough for the neighbor to sort of turn around. He just barely got hit, turns around and looks at Steve, but then he kind of falls from the head, hits his head on a tree and dies. Yeah. And the reason that means so much to me, that section, is because like there was nothing malicious and there, there was it was hardly even an accident. Right. It was like the tiniest, oh, like the worst, tiniest little combination of chance things. So now compare that to what he's doing. Like how many little chance things could go wrong falling through Jupiter? Right. And here he is, like it's almost like he's trying to face the ultimate in like intentional danger because he's had to live with this like totally unintentional, like like almost absurd catastrophe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like, um, I'm assuming no coincidence that that guy fell, and so this guy decides that he's going to do this drop through a planet as if not like he's necessarily, but it kind of feels like if I could take his place, I would. Yeah, exactly. Like, this it, is my way of exploring how that feels. It's almost yeah. like he's asking for it. Like, yeah. like it's like, it's almost like the Jupiter drop is a magnification of this tiny little freaking thing that went horribly wrong. Yep. Tiniest thing in the world. I mean, just kind of like nudged a guy and the guy freaking falls and dies and it's like, no. Right. And so, Again, that's not a spoiler. That comes pretty early in the in the story. Right. But there is that sense the whole time of that Steve is trying to either face something, get away from something, or as you just pointed out, almost bring it upon himself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not necessarily as like atonement or whatever, but just like that feeling of, you know that if that were something that happened to you or me, we would be like, why wasn't it me? Why, you know, like that kind of a thing. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, man, I can't even... You know what? I, I I will say it's so chance or so bizarre that I may I may get be able to get over it because of that or something. I mean, it's so so obviously unintentional. So, yep. so you know, I mean, that it's like it's almost like at some point in that scenario, how could you beat yourself up forever? You almost have to be like, whatever this was, I, I don't know. Let's move on. We have to because yeah. this is insane. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um. One of the things between this and Doug and Judy, oh, uh, I know my mind's all over the place today because there was one thing in the story that got repeated and I love things that get repeated in stories like, and these are novellas, so they're smaller, but like, and this is kind of more suited for that kind of thing. But um, they kept saying, if you think you see something living, you're mistaken or something along those lines. There's no life on Jupiter. If you think you see life on Jupiter, you are mistaken. And (laughs) the thing that's great about that is, is you're basically, you're definitely, you're overtly saying without saying someone else thought they saw something out there. (laughs) Yeah. And it's saying Steve's going to see something out there. Yeah. 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 I mean, can you imagine that? You're falling through Jupiter. You have all these violent purple storms and like just weather. We can't even like, you mean how they talk about Montana as big sky country. Just imagine this. And, and then 
you see something out there flying, living yeah. out there in those storms, like, oh my God, while you're alone with a hologram of your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that promised something. Um, and Doug and Judy didn't do the same thing, but while they're in their tube and the, the house washing is happening and things are floating around being cleaned and it's, you know, whatever, there's a similar thing where they think they see people uh, in the, in the thing. And it's just something creepy about the vulnerability of the situation. Cause you're locked in a tube and you can't go anywhere. You're stuck in a, a, pl- a glass apartment in the middle of a floating through a planet and you can't do anything. If something approaches you like total vulnerability. So that oh, yeah. really plays really well in those stories. Yeah. You know, you know what it almost starts to feel like the way you're describing it is a shark cage. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, yeah. lower it into the ocean while like, fucking great white or sun is coming towards yep. you from the darkness. It's like, oh my, I, I am in a cage, but oh my, no, I would never fucking do that. <laughs> never. And see, Allison would. I think we, when we talked to her, <laughs> she'd be like, that sounds amazing. Like, um, how else am I going to see a shark? <laughs> she follows a woman on Instagram that swims with sharks and like pets them and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know? Anyway. So um, it's interesting though. Think about this. Stephanie confined to the house. Sean confined to the deathbed. You could even argue his family conf- confined to his deathbed. Doug and Judy confined to the tube. Yep. And Steve confined to the uh, falling apartment in the Jupiter drop. Yeah. Interesting. Like you could almost. Well, you know, the, we did, go ahead. There's a theme in the next one too um, that ties into that too. So I, I yeah. think they all they all kind of have a yeah. And then, and then, um, like an imprisoned kind of theme to them. Yeah. You know, I was, we do these theatrical readings for all of the books and that means there's like live music and, and I don't know if you'd say actors, but like Allison will narrate for a character while I'm playing scary music and there's like props and this and that and different lights. And like Daphne was in a gymnasium. I mean, all they've been amazing. Spin of Black Yarn could work in like a motel, like five sequential rooms. Yeah. You could have the. Oh, yeah. From half the house. You could have Sean's deathbed. You can have the tube and you can have the Jupiter drop. And, mm-hmm. and you can have Higarov's house and whatever. Yeah. Or the master bedroom or whatever. Or, like, or, yeah. or the kitchen, maybe. Yeah. Or the kitchen. Oh, just <laughs> because <laughs> you want that rat scene. Good Lord. <laughs> He gets two. He gets two rooms. As you can see, I'm very proud of that rat. <laughs> no pun intended, but that was really I hard to swallow. Weekly gave uh, oh god, they gave like the best review I've ever read in one of my books, actually, um, for Spin of Black Yarn, and it said something something Mallory's book da 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 and disgusts and disgusts, and I was like, they said the word disgust. Whoa! And I was like, mm, I know what that. And I said this to you before. Yeah. But I know what that's for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> um, well, okay. So since we're on that topic, that's one of the things that I was thinking of. So because of um, your the way that you express your art and everything, when you do tours and stuff, they are very, um, for their productions. They're not just like you're out on a stage reading. Um, and I was wondering like if, if you had stuff planned for Spin a Black Yarn or not. Or with that, so right now we don't, um, and it's starting to worry me a little bit because the book comes out in a month. Um, 
But to be honest, you right around now is when we usually do start like a month or maybe five weeks in advance. But there is, I mean, it does feel a little bit swamped. The High Strong have a show out of town in like three days before the book comes out. And we got to rehearse for that. And um, I have a, I have an event that I'm going to in a, like a couple of weeks. And I am a little bit wondering, like, are we going to pull this one off? Because there have been ones that we haven't. Yeah. And I'm a little worried. But also, it doesn't have to be on release day. You know, it could be right. a week later. It could be two weeks later. I mean, you know, or, or anytime. I can do a Mallory event at the Detroit Zoo right now. We had one planned at the Detroit Zoo because there's a train that goes around the zoo. Oh, cool. We went, we talked to the staff, everything. We were going to blindfold everyone, put them on this train. We were going to read through the train speakers. So you're traveling on a train. Is it's That's awesome. About it. I know. And then COVID like hit like the next whatever. So yeah. that ended like that. Why can't I just go do that? in the fall. So why does it have to be a release day? So I don't need to think so like that, but at the same time you want, you know, you want the release day to be celebratory. Right. So we don't know exactly what we're doing. There is this one venue that Allison played um, in like a, in a duo she plays with, which this guy this amazing guitarist, Sean Blackman. And it was like a house, like a mansion, like in Detroit that had a bunch of rooms and there's like a bar and a venue in the basement. And I'm like, man, this this place could work out like perfectly. Where you walk yeah. like room, room and it's set up, you know. So I was thinking maybe of looking into that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I it just always seemed so this is the difference between you and me. Like when when you're brainstorming or planning these things, I gotta imagine that in your head you're thinking, isn't this exciting? And to me, I'm, the first thing I think is like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> no, no doubt. But here's the thing. <laughs> in the troop. Wow Town, we call ourselves Wow Town. Cindy is like an incredible organizer and event planner. So she's on board. Um, Lily is like incredible. She has like a super like theater background. She has a million ideas. Christy does voiceover work. So she loves to narrate and talk about. Allison does all these things and does makes props and blah, blah, blah. So in a way, think of it more like I would be like the director of a movie. Okay. I'm not doing yeah. all those separate things, but I'm like kind of the engine behind it and overseeing it, I guess. Yeah, that seems a lot more palatable. Right. <laughs> For sure. Um, one thought with Jupiter Drop, and I was thinking about this right before we started talking again. Sometimes when I'm really excited to read something, um, I I just keep, I push myself to keep reading and I kind of let my retention drop a little bit. Um, which yeah. kind of sucks because then I'm like, oh, I don't, but like that, I'm super guilty of that with Stephen Graham Jones's books where I'm like, I just want to just, I just want to consume as much as I can. And then I'm like, what was that character's name? So like, it kind of drops a little bit, but, um, at toward the end of the story, and I, I don't, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but there's like a kind of a treat, like an unexpected kind of tree set up. Was there any kind of extra significance to it being a tree or was that just the setting that we had? From the from the neighbor falling. Oh, okay. There right. it is. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. From the okay. neighbor falling and, and hitting, uh, just barely clipping his head on like the yep. tree. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, I knew there was something there, and I was just like, I was just too immersed in. No, I I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's funny because I'll make like a conscious decision of whether or not to go back or not. Yep. Like I'll be like, ah, oh, shit, I kind of missed kind of miss something here, you know? And I do yeah. that with movies too. And then I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay. You're just experiencing it. All right. You, you freaking don't remember what you just read for a page. I just keep going. Yeah. Okay, you know, or other times I'll be like, no, 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 I need to know. And I'll go back. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the more excited I am about the thing, the more likely prone I am to like not be as careful. Um, yeah, I know what you mean when reading. Yeah. So it's a compliment. If I don't remember everything perfectly, it's a compliment that I was enjoying the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. That, just as a last note, maybe on the Jupiter drop from me, I guess was, it was fun to write a sci-fi story, like you know, a sci-fi esque story. I don't have very many of those in me. It's not where I'm coming from. You know, I often think the difference between sci-fi and horror is that sci-fi will be like, um, you know, it, it, uh, the sun, the sun died, and it'll explain what that means and what happened, how, how long it took the light to the, the end of the light to reach us, and what happened to the planet when that light did stop reaching us, and everything. And then in horror, all I got to write is the world went dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's something so liberating to me about that. I'm like, nah, shit, man, the, the world went dark. There's no more light. Let's roll. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, but then you get to write about how it made us feel. You know. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's then and that's one the horror little, of it. One 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 little pocket scenario that in, that experienced this, like oh, that is an interesting idea, like to write a horror story at the at the moment of the last of the light, the sunlight, the last of it comes through. Yeah, maybe there's something like a, a wedding or something set up for that or something. That's a fun idea. <laughs> but actually, yeah, that is good. Like, um, um, but and I don't think that a lot of people so. I'm not going to step into critiquing science fiction because I don't read any of it at all. So I can't, I can't say what the motivation of, of sci-fi is, but I just think of like um, the person who I, I enjoy a lot, who had a lot of fun with sci-fi stuff in a, in a making fun of humanity way, obviously is Douglas Adams. And so like the restaurant at the end of the universe is a whole thing where like they built this tourist attraction around like the moment that the universe ends but it's like a funny thing. So yeah, I think there's potential there to explore things like that, but yeah. uh, maybe not as Douglas Adamsy about it. <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know what you mean. And, but it, and again, it's just, dude, it's just fun to stretch in any way. I'm working on a nonfiction book now and I'm discovering this is, this is very interesting that there's no, okay. There's no plot. I guess there, you could argue there's characters, but there's really no plot. There's a, a there's a small arc. It's the course of one night. And but it's striking me that this rewrite is going to be more intense than most. Why? Because because it is nonfiction, and because like the, the 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 philosophical takes on the process and the genre and whatever. I want to make sure I say exactly what I mean. And you can argue, don't you want that in a novel? Well, yes, but it it's not as personal when um, uh, Smoke says something in Unbury Carol as it is uh, uh, me talking about writing, right? So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reaching probably the quarter or the third mark ish soon and it strikes me like this rewrite is going to be intense man like you're going to want to yeah. go back through this and then i started thinking about like for someone to write like a phil philosophy like treaties or something like oh my god like the thought that must go into those because you're just like oh a philosophy book all right and that's the way you thought no 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 no, no. that's the thinking behind that and arguing with yourself and is there a better way to do this and finding holes in what you're saying blah blah this rewrite might be intense whatever so anyway all that to say it's fun to stretch and the Jupiter drop was a stretch. Yeah. No. Yeah. You, so you talking about writing nonfiction, the first thought that came to my head was um, once it's out there, that's what you said. Um, and so right. like, you have to like take that seriously. But then I immediately thought of 
can't remember where, but I heard Malcolm Gladwell on a podcast at some point talking about, you know, being a writer and stuff. And I think one of the things he said, and I can't remember the exact conversation was something about like, of course I disagree with stuff I wrote in the past. Like, yeah, I'm a totally yeah. different person now. And like, you know, my, my thoughts evolve over time. So, um, no, you know, there's a, okay. 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 There's a whole section in there. Part chapter two so far is called pivots on a dime. And what it's about is, uh, I'll just, in a nutshell, I went, I meet Allison and I said to her something like Paul McCartney, man, he, he still sounds good. His voice still sounds good. And then she's like, why, why shouldn't it? And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, he's like 70 years old, you know? Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, but like, why wouldn't it? And remember Allison's like a singer and all this. And she's like, but, but shouldn't an artist get better as they age? And I'm like, she said a few things after that. And I was like, I made a conscious decision. It was so right what she was saying that rather than try to come up with like a rebuke or try to like come up with my own what I meant or something, I just on a dime I switched and agreed with her. On a dime. That's I just, awesome. On a dime. I was like, not only that, I then turned, I started pointing out artists to her who got better as they aged and stuff like that. And so I think that it is okay to pivot immediately with your philosophy of these things. And like you say, Malcolm Gladwell says, you know, of course I don't agree like that. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of the fun too about writing a nonfiction book is it's something to talk about. And then maybe you write like an opposite, you know, years later, yeah, maybe not that long later, you write like the opposite take on it all. And you're like, you know what? That, that was all idealistic bullshit. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like a tattoo though. Like I, I've always had the idea that like you can't have, a regrettable tattoo because the tattoo that, unless it's like hate, you know, obviously like if it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. aside from that, um, because that's who you were then. And so, um, if you have a tattoo now that doesn't mean the same thing as it did then, it still shows you who you were. So like, there's always something positive about it, even if it's not kind of where you are for, uh, for example, I have a tattoo on my leg. And uh, it's this cartoon turtle sitting at a desk, typing at a typewriter, sitting on a pile of books and like all that kind of stuff. And um, like Hunter Thompson's initials are on the side of one of the books. And I was really into reading Hunter Thompson at the time. And so it was like, that's going on the tattoo. I mean, not really super enthusiastic about Hunter Thompson one way or the other anymore, but there's nothing wrong with that tattoo because like that was where I was yeah. on my journey to get where I am now. So, you know, you um, know, when I was 19, I was thinking about getting a Doris tattoo because I love that <laughs> band on my arm. And yeah. then for years I was, I would cite that as like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I did not get that Doris tattoo on my arm. And now, now I'm, I'm whenever someone comes over, I'm playing that I have live special edition vinyl of theirs. And I'm like, there's a side of me that's like, kind of wish I had that Doris tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a full circle to these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no. Yeah. I think that writing can be the same thing though. Like what you put down, that's who you are. It was part of what you needed to be to get to where you are now, I think. Um, so I think, and that was just me, my reaction to you saying you're writing this is like, Oh man, the permanence of putting your words yeah. out there. But again, it's just part of we are evolving people constantly. So I almost want, hold on, let me see something. I just want to read like the very first opinion I see here. Okay. 
Okay, right. We have time, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Okay, let's imagine a non-artist, your grandfather, let's say, and your grandfather worked for General Motors here in Michigan. And every time you've gone to grandfather's house, you expect the candies he and grandmother have out. You expect the jokes, you expect the good times your parents are having with your grandparents. You expect the questions about your own life from them, as your grandparents seem more interested than most in your worldview and your plan. Then one night, maybe you're a teenager now, it's brought up that grandfather wrote a book. Wow, you'd think. You're just discovering books yourself in a real way. You're just starting to wonder if you might try your hand at one yourself. You're even considering telling him about this feeling you have about books when, uh, oh, this feeling you have when you read, when you write, the call of the storyteller, the call of the page. How different do you look at grandfather now that you know he wrote a book? How much more color does this add to your already colorful idea of him? Do you think he's smarter now, cooler? Does it almost frighten you, thinking how could you have not known? Does it imply doors and hallways and in in everyone you meet, unseen corridors, even in those you call family, even those you love? And now imagine you learn he just wrote it, just finished it the day before you and your parents arrived for Thanksgiving. Grandpa's been writing a book and he finished it? What would this tell you about him and how would you describe your grandfather for the decades to follow as a man who worked for General Motors or as a man who wrote a book? I imagine there wouldn't be a close friend of yours who didn't know the name of your grandfather's book. There is no age to an artist, no right time to begin, no right time to stop. Beautiful. Yeah, that's what I wrote this morning. Yeah, that's awesome. And then like to me, the whole book is loaded with stuff like that. To me, it's like, yeah, I'm fine with that tattoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's totally it. Um, yeah, and that there's so much of like my philosophy about things that are that's kind of in that. Um, uh, and I and one of the things I really like about you is that um, you've always seemed to not. Uh, uh, what's the what's the best way to say this? Um, you're not a person that is allows himself to be hindered by what the way things should be, I guess, if that makes sense. Like if you're excited about a thing and you think you want to try it, you seem like the type of person that's just going to go for it instead yeah. of being like, well, you know what? I'm too old for that kind of thing, like that type of thing. And I think yep. that encouraging that and pe some people don't even realize that, you know, you can just do stuff. No, I know that in this whole book, that's literally what this whole book is so far. And it's like, because to me, let's take grandfather. Grandfather writes a book. Well, he's every bit the author that I am now. Yeah. He, he wrote a novel, man. If my mom writes a novel, I mean, yeah, and talk about pivots on a dime. Like I'll immediately see her as an author for the for forever. I mean, it's like yep. it, it's like an immediate change. And what's the if you don't make a movie, direct a movie till you're sixty, does that mean you're less of a director than someone who started at twenty or made one at twenty and never made one again? I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. Right. So yeah. So it seems really counterproductive, obviously, to close any doors like that. But it's also there's also some like um, identity in that that it's okay to stretch, it's okay yeah. to reinvent, it's okay to once you do a thing, you are. Once you do, you are. Mm -hmm. I think it's nice though also to have the community that encourages. So a personal thing that I did recently that you know this isn't like a life-changing situation or anything, but I was hanging out with, I've been talking, I've been hanging out and talking a lot with Becky Spratford lately. Oh, cool. Um, the librarian, cause she's yeah. 
one of the most incredible people ever. And she's she's like, you should join the Horror Writers Association. And I was like, I'm not a I'm not a writer. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah, no, but there's she's like, yeah, there's non writer stuff. And I was like, oh, and, and in my mind immediately, I was like, you don't, you know, like you don't belong in that kind of thing. And then I was like, why not? If if Becky Spradford says you should do this, she sees that I belong there. She sees that there would be I would benefit from that, and so I did. So now I'm a member of the Horror Writers Association. Yeah. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and um, but I never would have even thought about it without her saying, "Hey, do this thing." Um, so I think having the community that encourages and pushes you is very important too. It's incredible, and I think we talked about this last time. I'm not sure about the my drummers. Girlfriends, yes, yeah. Um, you should sing, yeah, yeah. Just the littlest freaking nudge, man. It does. We're not talking about like an intervention. We're not talking about like like a whole bunch of people saying like you can do it. It's like one <laughs> little thing, and you're like, oh, yeah. And you just didn't see that. You just didn't consider that that was for you. Yep. But then the minute the minute it is, it is. The minute you see it, it is. And that's the same with writing a novel. That's the same with making an album. That's the same with all these things. It's awesome that we came back to the thing that we kind of ended the first hour on that we're like, we're back in that kind of like good feels and everything. I'm glad I was like, we might have a whole different, you know, vibe this time, but (laughs) we found our way back. Um, So that is that something that you're doing just because like, it's a thing in you that you've got to get out or is this something that's planned? No, a hundred percent. Just a thing I got to get out. So, I mean, I guess I'll just tell you, it seems like a bit of an when and when is this podcast going to air? Um, I'm guessing within the next week or so, but I can time it how you because I'm going to be talking to Kristen. I have a meeting with her on Wednesday about it. I just wrote her last night about it. Um, okay, I won't give the title or anything, but I will just say this that it, it details one uh, one incredible night that Alice and I had when we first well, well we were maybe a couple years in, but we were still newer to each other then and and. It was an incredible night where we were we watched a movie that Allison had never seen, and we watched it with a couple that was near like the end of their line. So we were at the beginning of ours, and they were at the end of theirs, and we're watching this like classic horror movie, and Allison's never seen it. And I, at first, I go into it thinking I'm showing her, but I realize from her reaction that she's actually kind of showing me this movie, and 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 to be us two like so high on love, and these two over here like so not, and at the end of their line. With this, like, and I'm thinking about writing and genre and and art and love and the end of love and life and family because it's a family member of hers. All this stuff. It was such a profound cauldron of like uh, big ideas and themes that the next day I was like, "You, you gotta write. You gotta write about last night, man. That has to be like a book in and of itself." Fast, fast forward. My God, it's probably been seven years later or something. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, it's time to do it. Let's do it. That's awesome. So, so I'm writing about that night and. And it's really like a leaping off point, you know, when somebody says, oh, I can never do something like that. I mean, it's, you could talk for 30 pages about, about why someone, why, why they can. Yeah. So, so that's really what it is. So that kind of anchors the into bigger thoughts that are, are kind of like life um, things for you, that kind of thing? Yep. yep. It's, okay. it's somewhat present tense. So it'll be like... Um, Allison is talking to Rose by about um, uh, fostering a dog, and I'm thinking about, and then I right, I could go on forever. So that's awesome. And then all of a sudden, we're like, "Hey, you want another drink?" And there's drinks, and they're like smoking grass, and <laughs> and all this like stuff. 
And, but it's all like, God, it was just all such a, yeah, I just saw it. It was a little bit Virginia Woolf because like the older couple, like the older bitter couple and the, and the young love, you know, and there was, and it's a little on writing because it is a lot about process and stuff. And it's a little Vonnegut, I think even, because it's kind of funny and ridiculous, um, autobiographical. <laughs> and then it's even like a little, um, you ever read Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, what a gem, right? What a fucking gem. And, and I read that when I was probably like 16 or something. Like wow. I was young because I had older friends when I was in high school. Like my when I was a freshman in high school, all my friends were seniors. And so like for a good chunk of time, I was like three or four years fast forwarded and like the things I was being exposed to. So, yeah, that was like a real formative kind of thing for me. And there's that whole like obsession he has with what is quality and it kind of derails his whole life, really. Yeah. And in this book, obviously, this isn't like that, but there is that sort of examination of like what makes an artist and 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 how that, that's a lot looser than someone might think, that kind of thing. And how, awesome. and how it's a lot easier to step into than someone might think. So it's definitely <laughs> inspirational. It's definitely, I guess, self-helpish if you want to throw it that way. But it, it's also just the detailing of one wild, awesome night. That's awesome. <clears throat> um, that makes me think that like the the authors that I like, maybe I want to see more nonfiction from them. Like, I think that I'm kind of spoiled because I get to tap into the minds of, of people who I like the their fiction um but not a lot of people do but there's a lot of good stuff there so <laughs> yeah 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 oh yeah no it'd be very interesting to read like like anybody in the scene right now you know any name that comes to mind like to read like i don't know their story of, of how they got into it or whatever this this isn't quite that but i guess in the end it might be be that as a whole but think of it more as um rather than a singular issue, right? Think of it as like the kind of like our, the podcast we're having right now where it's okay to go on tangents and talk about things right. and then things come up again and then other subjects come up. And then, so Spin a Black Yarn is our spine right now. Yep. But we're going all over the place and we keep returning there and themes come up. Same exact thing with this night. Watching that movie is the spine, but a million things along the way. That's, um, yeah, that's what I love about reading people's fiction in general. And I I'm prefacing a lot lately that sometimes people write stuff just for entertainment and they're not looking to have a lesson or a theme or anything. They're just like, let's have this fucking crazy story. Oh yeah. And, and I love that. And there's absolutely a need for that. But I love when, when what you've written or what I've read or whatever taps into a thing that we're feeling like you were talking earlier about um, the idea of that, you know, third, bird box novel having to do with they're gone and i'm the guy that still wears a mask in like public buildings because i had cancer and so like my immune system is not as robust as maybe it should be so i'm the guy that's still like that would be not necessarily wearing a mask but who would be more afraid would be more diligent so when you even just said that little thing in my mind i'm like i know exactly what that feeling is i, I feel it all the time Oh yeah. Wow. That is, um, wow. We haven't even talked about all that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. We, I did have a little bit of cancer. While yeah. Lovely, <laughs> lovely to see how you're doing and lovely to be talking to you. And I followed, as you know, I followed the whole thing online and, yeah. and, and more and just, yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, but yes, no, that's like, um, 
Yeah, that's the idea is that and there's also a sense, you know, like if I got, okay, I have that event coming up in like two weeks. If I got COVID, like I can't go to it. Like it, these right. things are still present. And then everyone's like, doo, 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 you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that'd be fun to open Burbex. And you can hold, you know, this is something I think about. I'm sure I have talked about this before with you is that, especially in this day and age, when you go on like, to watch a movie and you know it's in the horror section, right? So what that means though is because you know that your audience knows something is coming, you can wait on bringing it on stage. Yeah. There's almost like the character, like horror itself is a character. And yeah. you don't have to bring him or her or it on stage <laughs> right away because because we know that something is coming because right. we're watching a scary movie, reading a scary book. So you could, that, that Bird Box idea, I mean, gosh, you could, you can maintain that for a while. Yeah. 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 And then like, it could be layered with like other types of terror that are different than what you've talked about before. Like the, exactly. the scare. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just when you've got everyone worried enough about the other kind of thing. And <laughs> bad. I'll shit. It's a fan. Yeah. So I want to make sure we talk about Igorov and then there's other stuff too, because like, obviously you're writing this nonfiction book. Um, there's a documentary that we want to talk about too. Um, but to, to round off spin a black yarn in my head, the way that I describe this final, and it's the biggest story in the book. It's like a third of the book, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. Is um, like kind of a reverse engineered telltale heart. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I can see that for sure. Uh, that and like Dickens, there's some, there's some of that to, to this. Um, Igorov is absolutely my baby in the collection. I, I think likely someone's favorite story will be a different one, but everything in Igorov is intentional. And what I mean by that is the, um, there are clunky sentences, even the opening sentence. There are sudden like pages of philosophical, like whimsy, mm -hmm. usually by that guy, Misha. Um, there are scenes that don't have to be there. Yeah. And in the course of the rewrite, so Igorov was originally like 10,000 more words or something like that, and, or maybe 15. And I, I essentially Trojan horsed a novel into this collection <laughs> because I, I'm, it's one of my, it's the first novel I wrote in this house, the first house I ever bought in my life. And I loved the story. I love the concept for listeners. The concept is, um, and this old, bad man kills um, one of triplets, but he doesn't know that the triplets. So the two surviving brothers, they stage like a, uh, a faux haunting, pretending to be the ghost of their brother to drive this old murderer mad. And that idea alone for me was like, oh man, we got to get this one down. And, and sticking with Sam Hatton, it takes place about like 19, I don't even like early 1900s, little Russia, Sam Hatton, so before it's the city we know it is from the other, from the rest of the book. And again, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of Brothers Karamazov, of Gogol, of Tolstoy, of these like, but also of like the Russian translation or the English translation from Russian, where there always seems like there's something a little clunky there. There's something a little yeah. scare there. There's uh, these giant philosophical passages for no reason. Sometimes scenes where you're like, did we have to have that? You know, but it all sort of adds up to this overall feeling. And so that was my original intention with, from the word go was that I'm going to try to write a book 
that feels like it was translated from Russian. So after Trisha read everything, I told her that, and she was like, oh, God, I'm glad you told me that. And then <laughs> the, writer, the writer, Ross Jeffrey, said to me, he read the book in its like earlier stages, and he was like, maybe you should just put a qualifier at the top of the story saying this was translated because that will help people understand like what you're doing here. And so I did. And it turns out it was translated by Sean from Argyle, Sean's sister, Ethel. Yep. So again, we were talking earlier about stretching and elasticity and this and that. So you could argue that this was Igorab is an experiment or experimental. And yeah, it was, it is. And it was and blah, blah, blah. And I just loved as like a writer, I loved the, like, it would be like, you know, as a filmmaker making your um, surrealist painting or your surrealist film or your, or just whatever, I had given myself these guidelines. So in the rewrite, there were moments where I'm like, oh, you got to get rid of that. So this scene doesn't have to be here at all. They, they visited the house 10 times already. We, we, no, 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 leave it. I want it to almost like, I wanted it to feel in like intentional, um, a stab at a work of art more than just like a story. Um, and I wanted like all those things in Igorab. So the result of that is, you know, I haven't, I don't read any Goodreads or whatever, but I can hear when I talk to the audio guy, he was like, Ooh, this one. Cause I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, I can do, I can do Igorab. I can read it. And he was like, I, I don't, I don't think so. Actually. I think you, you need like a pro to read this one. And I was like, okay, I can see what you mean. And he sent me all these like awesome options these men with like real like voices you know the yeah. brothers stood across the you know the grave of their third sling and you know blah blah, blah. And i'm like yeah, yeah yeah you're right that is better than me like whipping through it or something so so long long introduction but yeah igorov to me is really special in that way doesn't mean that it's the best story doesn't mean it's the best thing I've ever done None, doesn't mean it's gonna be your favorite listener but man is that one special to me that's actually good to hear um when um thinking back to it 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 has a very it's got a feel to it um and i'm trying to think of the best way to describe it but it does like intentional now is just definitely like it's fitting um and i'm and i'm trying to grasp at specific instances but even the way that his cane is described like the old man's cane is described and it's always just called um the well, why is the word Swarovski. Swarovski. Yeah. So like, it's just always called like, it's not called as Kane. It's the Swarovski. And like, so, um, uh, yeah, it just feels like, and then like all the cultural bits of it just feel like instead of an outsider describing something to someone, it feels like, of course, this is the way, this is the way we do it. This is the way everybody does things. So it does feel like it's very, uh, lived in culture as opposed to someone making an outside observation about it. So yeah. um, if yeah, that's yeah. what you were going for, I yes. feel like you, you nailed that. Yes. A hundred percent rather than like once in little Russia, you know, right. <laughs> unlike where I, we are from. Right. 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 No, it's like we are, it, we live there. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like a, the, um, it's like a, te- like, um, not a, not a folktale, but like, it's like, our history. It feels like it's our history kind of, that's how it's kind of comes out. And because I'm a believer of, and this is again, um, when I was talking about like, there's the spine of something of a conversation, whatever, but with all these other sort of tangents or whatever that color it, because that clunkiness to me 
And I believe me, my God, even the opening sentence, I'm like, Josh, you're not going to change this. You know, it's like <laughs> the word go. And I'm like, nope, this, this exactly reads like it was translated and, and that, and I'm supposed to be expected to think, well, this is how the Russians write or something, you know? And so I'm like, then leave it, you know? And I'm, so many times I had to like bite my tongue or my editing hand, uh, <laughs> rewriting that one. But because of that clunkiness, I feel like it's, it enabled like some like freaky images to kind of come that, that kind of like emerge from it, like Igorov seemingly floating down the the the, uh, the stone, like the street or whatever, as the two yep. brothers are like watching. And does he even have feet? Is he above the ground? Mm-hmm. And Igorov at the bottom of his stairs, like starting to like climb all the way up, still yelling at the ghost in his house. And and Igorov um, alone at that kitchen table. And and the brothers, you know arriving to dinner with with their haircut like their dead brother and and it's like all this these like little flashes seem almost like more horror to me than than the rest of the book even even though an argyle is so and half the house are so squarely horror mm-hmm. and it's like there's just something about that odd delivery that enables for like different kind of imagery yeah yeah um like like intentionally lighting a scene weird, like in a if in a right. movie or something like that. Exactly, yeah. and and this is all before. Um, I had never seen like a David Lynch movie before, and <laughs> not on a bender. But I've seen almost every single thing he's done. Now I'm very close to the whole thing over the last few weeks. And yeah. exactly, he would like I, I'm sure to him Lost Highway. Who cares? Like if someone's like, dude, I don't get it at all. He's like, well, you're not that one. It was supposed to be this way. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. though it's not uh, inscrutable, it's not opaque. It's like you under, there's a story there, but, but I mean, do you have to have Misha talking about death for seven straight pages? Do you have to have, and then like four or five times throughout? No, but I didn't want to get rid of it either. No. Yeah. That totally <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it does have like that kind of more classic literature feel to it. It's not contemporary feeling at all. Um, so yeah, like, and that's why I think that my mind went right to telltale heart. Yeah, because it's got that quality of feeling distant past the way that the way that the story is told. It really is a reverse engineered telltale heart. <laughs> the old man with the crazy eyes, like he's the one that's rather than the guy that's going to kill him. Yeah, it's 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 like he. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's like a reverse. He's the guy when you open the, the door and the beam of light goes over his eye. That's eager. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to like uh minimize it or anything cuz oh, it's no, definitely no, no. like its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Scrooge to him, but Yeah. Honestly, it, it this, there's no moral mess like it's not like yeah, Igorov's not in in line for like a moral awakening. Um mm. but man, I just loved Did the scene make it in there where the guy comes to the house to buy the guitar? Did that scene make it in there where the dude he brings a guy home that's drunk. Yes. Yes, it did. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that scene made it yeah. Um The guy with an O, o name or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And and that scene, I remember writing that and just being like, God, can you imagine going to this dude's house? And you're like, oh, I'm just going to go pick up a guitar. But once you're there, you almost felt like you're like in a spider's den. Yeah. And you're like, like you knew something was off. What the fuck <laughs> am I doing here, man? I got to get out of here. <laughs> well, the guitar is just down there in the music room. Just down there. It's like, right. well, you know what? I don't play, actually. I was lying. I got to go. <laughs> like nothing. There's, there's no way a guitar is as important as whatever could go wrong whatever in this situation. In house, no guitar. <laughs> I don't want it. Bye. <laughs> um, uh, that, yeah. Um, 
one of the thoughts I had about the way the story is written, since we're kind of in that uh, realm still is Josh had a lot of fun writing the voice of Igorov and the Misha character. I have to imagine because they are very colorful characters and very um, unique and in the way they talk and everything. And there's almost like a kind of poetry to the way that Igorov talks Um, like a, like more, like it's more lyrical than an act, a normal person would, would speak. Yeah. It's like, what's, what's scurrying around the house? Is it memories or mice? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, Josh had a lot of of moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but, Misha, Misha though, like, man, what what a what a what a thing to play with. Like, because I'm no like Agatha Christie, and I've tried to do like a sort of procedural before and this kind of thing, you know, like you know, with like a, with an investigator and this, and how does he get ready? And so Misha enabled me to like throw all that off. Because here's a guy saying, I did it. Kill yeah. me, please. And <laughs> That's so a good I was point. able to like, occupy all the procedural <laughs> with Misha while while isolating um, the two brothers and Igorov. Yeah. You know? yeah. And for people listening, Misha, like Josh said, confesses to killing the brother and is just obsessed with death. Um, and like it's discovered that this person's obviously just crazy and, and obsessed yeah. with death. But then that opens up the door to talk about death. And, and, and things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah exactly. Pretty cool. Right. Exactly. He's just like, a, what do they say? Like they found him like sniffing crime scenes or death scenes. The blood on the floor or something like that. Like the concrete. Yeah. Just no. real creepy. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's no good, man. No, I should write, um, a story in little Russia, Samhattan, but nowadays. Oh yeah. That'd yeah, be fun to have like a modern and not, and yeah. not like this, like, like just like a modern, like could just be, a young woman going to work in little Russia, you know, yep. yeah. 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 Um, so one of the things I really appreciated about, so the, the twins, the two, sorry, the triplets that are, that remain. So there's two or three left. Um, they have that thing that is spoken of, which is like, if you're a twin or a triplet or something like that, you have this on, you have this kind of telepathy or, connection that allows you to understand the other person. Um, and they, that is used heavily throughout the story where they just know, like if, you know, if I said, I'm thinking of a letter and you were my twin, you'd know it was W or whatever. So, um, that That was a brilliant thing. You just said, if I'm thinking of a letter and you're my twin, you would know it was W. Hey, that was, that was brilliant. God damn it. I wish that was intentional. I wish I was that smart was, enough. That to... was incredible. You can edit out me saying that. You leave you with that and let some listener be like, holy fuck. That was fucking man. That was like meta shit that just happened. No, I'd rather highlight your brilliance of recognizing that. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's a, that's a thing that got used in here and it really characterized them as like, but it also showed the depth of their connection so like, and then analyzing the idea of having part of your connection severed is really traumatizing. Um, but then I liked that they were so disciplined about what they wanted to do. Oh once yeah. They figured out like they were so disciplined about like, we know what needs to happen and boom, they go for it. So those two, the two brothers that were left were real strong characters in that the way that they were bonded, but also like the, the, me- the methodical way that they wanted to kind of make the person pay for the thing they did. 
I mean, you know, because the argument could be for any reader, like, why don't they just go in and kill the dude? Like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. Well, they don't want to do that. They want to torture him mm-hmm. and not torture him by pulling out his fingernails. They want to, like, torture him. They want to scare yeah. him to death. They want to, you know, which bizarrely actually uh, is reminiscent of Camp, right, from Goblin. Here's a guy that's afraid of being scared to death. Yes. Now, yep. the next novella collection, here's two guys that are essentially trying to scare someone to death or it's a madness. Well, it's uh, like they it's like they recognize a character without a conscience and they're like, we need to be that conscience. We need to show that person yeah. what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my God, there there's that there's some sequence where he's like, You think you're the only ghost? You think yeah. you're the only ghost in the house? You think you're the only guy I've killed? You think, you know, and you're like, Oh man, what has Igor done, man? Yeah. He's a bad dude. <laughs> he's a bad dude, man. Yeah. Remember when he sees those little twin girls in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, one of you is enough. Two is terrible. Like, get away from me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he has a lot of twin talk. Uh, and then, like, oh, yeah. 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 So there's like, a whole like, theme as well. Right. He talks about the ghost as twin to the man. Yep. And then what what happens when he, uh, he's like, I'll kill you again. Yep. Yeah. And, like, all that. And But he never, until the very, well, I guess, whatever. <laughs> I don't mean we're spoiling it. But right, right. He never considers that he's being uh, fooled or something. Yeah. 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 That it might be a, there might be a literal situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, it was good stuff. Wanted, do, you, do you think that there's a, like, like his, like a modern version of it? Like, like, let's say you made a movie. Do you think there's a modern way of doing this? I guess there is, of course. I mean, you just stage a haunting, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. It almost feels like it'd be like more noirish or something though, or something like. I, yeah. Well, and you'd have to consider technology, which is right. always. That's what I mean, right, exactly, because that changes the whole. Yeah, it changes thing. everything. Right, because no longer would you just be like, there's a goat. You, you would have like cameras around your house, and these two yeah. guys are like walking around discussing what to do, you know? What was, yeah. Um, but that reminds me of uh, there's a TV show that came out recently called, I think it's called The Watcher, and it's based on that like kind of real life story of this oh, person. No, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the way that that was structured, where like people could sneak in and out of the house, and all this weird stuff was going on, I feel you're like right, you. Though. You're right. You're right. If yeah. you, and that was a weird show, by the way. But if yeah. you, so weird. <laughs> um, but Alice and I were like, "Is this good or is this not?" We could not tell, but we watched the whole thing. I had COVID when we watched that, and I was like on the couch, like fevered, like uh, watching that with Alice, <laughs> and um, she didn't get it, man. Unbelievably, I, I had it twice. And then, and, and we, and we were, I don't know if intimate's the right word, but whatever, right next to each other all day, hours yeah. before I was uh, tested positive in both times and she didn't get it either time. And had Good no for her. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I've managed to avoid COVID so far. So awesome. I'm knocking, knocking on wood. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's like, like, I don't mean to say this in a pat myself on the back way, but it is something that like, you can't help but notice in the field of horror or whatever, I don't like, like, like those who are like bestsellers. I can't, I really can't imagine any of them doing something like Igorov. And there's, there's something like maybe Stephen would, you know? I was, maybe, yeah. 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 Maybe he, cause he's, he stretches for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot, I can't like, I, and I'm not like even saying this in like a negative way. I am, you're just trying to you're just trying to imagine who's the person that's that would do that. Yeah, yeah. Now also, also, it's like I, 
pride myself and I pride other artists on like, I don't want to say taking a risk, but stretching. Yeah. And yeah. so there's something there. Like I, the reaction from Trisha was a little weird to eager the reaction from the audio guy was like, who this one. And, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's no, but this is exactly what I want. And there's something that was a sort of a landmark moment for me in this publishing experience so far, where if, if, if this was the first book I ever did, I, mean, I swear to God, I think right away I would have been like, oh, 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 okay, no, no, we, we can cut it. We'll use it somewhere else. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But now it's like, hold on, hold on. This is potential. <laughs> let's, let's do this. Let's uh -huh. let this breathe, you know? And, and there's, there's seems to be like a stepping stone moment about that to me or something. No, and it's interesting that you, um, it's, I, I, I'm, I was kind of surprised that you seem um, less uh like certain of it maybe than i would think you would be because like the it, like if i just sold it as like you know a triplet is murdered and the the remaining siblings basically yeah. stage like a like a reverse telltale heart i i don't know who wouldn't want to read that um so yeah. like i don't think the barrier to entry is 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 necessarily I don't really think there's much of a barrier entry there. Yeah, no, maybe but, you're right. I might be overstating all this, you know. But, <laughs> but in like, it's true. You're right. But in in the office, when you're alone with it, and you're yeah. like, you know, and literally no one's there, and you're like, is this this thing's gonna go in there? You know what I mean? Like next to Doug mm -hmm. and Judy, like this is going in there, you know? <laughs> and and then you send it in, and and you can tell the reactions like, who this one? This one's pretty wild. Um, at that point, you start saying to yourself, "Like, is this is okay? No, you know, we're fucking doing it." But you're right. It, like a horror fan, no one's gonna walk away being like, "What was that experimental madness?" Right, right, right. But no, no, I get what you're saying, and I think the stretching. So this is actually something that um, I've been thinking about lately, and I'm gonna call back. We had a conversation in because I recently listened to our August 2020 interview on Booked, and um we were talking about the moment in horror and everything. And you said something like, I don't know, it's going to be really hard to beat like the summer of 2020 or whatever you said, something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. And fuck man. I think that right now what's happened between then and now is that the kinds of stories that are getting attention and, and building momentum and stuff are like the tide is kind of the focus maybe shifting in that stretching direction. I think Yes. And I wish I could think of like a good example off the top of my head, but um, I feel like now is probably a time for that type of thing to grow. Could not agree more. And and that also uh, is true of the film side, like a hundred percent, like people yeah. I understand like stream does well and stuff like that. But like, like people, I mean, Skin of Marine had a theatrical release. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like some of these movies that like are doing well, like a uh, barbarian with this like insane uh, left turn and, and all this, it's like, never, I honestly, this is not hyperbolic to say that never before has the genre been as elastic as it is right now. And readers wanting something fresh. But at the same time, I don't know. Sometimes you'll see it's still like a haunted house book or something that still like, you know, kills it or something. Or something you know what I mean? Yeah. But, and I'm not saying that even in a bad way. I, I think, and just put it this way, a large swath of the readers are more open now to like anything goes and want something fresh. Like there's absolutely no question about that. And same mm -hmm. with the movies. We're all excited to see someone like going for it. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Keith Rawson. He's got a book coming out called fever house, um, which is just fucking wild. So if you haven't read that, <laughs> yeah. 
but like he has a unique take on zombies in in his book and i think if i remember correctly like part of the conversation was like again we're in a time now where instead of just latching onto a trope and doing the trope you can like turn the trope you can flip the trope you can do your spin on it and stuff like that so yeah like um yeah it's a thing I mean, it's, it's almost tempting to like with that third bird box book to the, the whole, they're gone and they are. Yeah. Like, like that's tempting too, to have the third book is like, they're gone. <laughs> like that would be like the weirdest thing, the most unexpected freaking thing you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like a sequel is like, they're gone. Like there's no, no, like, yeah. Number three doesn't have any creatures. Like that's yeah. like, there's something amazing about that. Right. Right. You know, like, and- like that's like, even if nobody's into it, it's like, that's, that's different. And if in my mind, I'm like, if I wrote that book, it would be terrible. But I know Josh can make it work. <laughs> I, I, you know, I just, again, I think it has to do with, in Bird Box, it was, how long can you maintain this tension of, you know, what's going to happen to Mallory? What's going to happen to everyone? Yep. And so then this one would be like almost reverse engineered. How long can you maintain the, the tension of like before once something shows up? Yeah. Yeah. And there's the whole, like, I think I have seen a theme of, and again, I can't think of exact examples, but like, um, where a lot of stories are like dealing with the trauma of something. So like, this is kind of a clunky uh, example, but I feel like Halloween kills is, is kind of like an exploration of, of, um, generational trauma, obviously, but like dealing with the trauma of something and how like the lasting effects of it. So I feel like there, that's something that is, is definitely being used in stories more lately. And it's timely because we all went through a fucking pandemic together. Yep, ab- absolutely. And that also makes sense of like something like Daphne makes more sense in that light too. Same thing. Oh my God. Yeah. There's, like Anxiety as monster or trauma yeah. as monster. And I, yeah, there's like something like, it seems almost <laughs> bizarrely meta to write like a bird box novel with her where nobody needs the blindfolds anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's, what the hell is this? Cause it sounds like the easiest thing and it wouldn't be, yeah. it would not be easy. It would be, exactly. yep. It would be like yeah. every goddamn Odor you open, it would still be on your mind. I mean, that this was, this, this, this happened and this was here for decades, you know? And, and there would be the person who'd be like, probably upset that they were gone. Like, you know, like my yeah. whole definition of my life is like, these are here and that's part of my life. And now that that's gone, it's like, the more we're talking about this, this is like (laughs) feeling to me. Maybe I'll just write it and then, um, not, not tell anyone like, here we are telling everyone, maybe I'll (laughs) write it and not tell like my agent or or something. And then like, be like, Hey, you know, surprise her. Hey, check this out. By the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. Igorov. I feel like we, we did a good job talking about Igorov. Um, And then the collection as a whole, man. Um, so between the last time we talked was Mallory. And now I, I acknowledged it when we first started talking, like five books came out and um, Pearl's fucking amazing. Daphne just blows my mind. Um, uh, that was just a wonderful, all of them, but um, Goblin. And I, I wrote some crazy dumb thing on my Instagram about how like we've seen like with your other books, like you're flexing this muscle, you're flexing that muscle. But like Goblin was like you, the full person kind of like the Voltron together into like your full potential and everything. Um, and and yeah, so that was my first time seeing a collection of novellas. And like this kind of just carries through like um, I like 
short form from you. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks. And there's just, there's, it feels like there's more of a, of a, of a curiosity, but also like it's more of a tapestry than, you know, Yes. Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, again, like the spine is the city of Goblin with all the mountain range yep. and, and blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking of, I'm seriously considering a return to Goblin. I kind of want to call it that. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, it'd be so good. <laughs> I can almost imagine like, Walter Kemp hugging a palm tree with his hair blowing. A return to Goblin. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I might ask Allison to draw that. Um, but, uh, I, the original Goblin real fast started off as 10 novella ideas and I still have like the pad of paper with the, in my like writing crates over here. And I made it through six of them mm-hmm. and I was like, whew, that's just out of gas. It was like 150,000 words or something like that. And, and that, you know, that's a long time ago. It was harder for me then. And I was just like, Oh man, six is enough <laughs> and I'm glad that I made that decision because four more would have been, Holy cow. But yeah. the point is, not only are there other ideas, there's other like still like original, like from the, that batch ideas. Right. And that's kind of awesome to me. That's like, oh yeah. What about the West fields? And what about the, the, the florist and goblin that you have that whole idea and da da da. So I have, yeah, I have a fantasy of going back there. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that you're, you're good at doing is, um, there are characters or there's things that are referenced that aren't fully explored that, that there's always a potential to go back to. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah. That there's probably... a million offshoots in that, in that city. <laughs> like the like goblin games, the arcade. And I mean, Oh my God, what could happen there? Like with a, yeah. <laughs> maybe like a grown man or something or a grown, grown woman obsessed with winning a game. Cause really goblins all about obsessives. Mm-hmm. Every single character is obsessed with something in there, whether it's bagging a great owl, real magic, um, uh, an ode to his uh, um, planting a bush that turns into the hedge maze, an ode to his wife who passed. Mm-hmm. It's like obsessive behavior. So, yeah, yeah. it's fun. Well, all right. And then I was I was thinking about this because, like, the geography of, of um, many, if not most of your stories, kind of hin- hinges around the state of Michigan imagine it imagined or, or real. Um, and I, when I, when I'm talking to people about your books, I can't say enough good things about inspection and fucking, I was talking to Sadie Hartman. We were talking about, um, you know, I can't remember what we're talking about, but I was like, then, you know, a book like inspection comes along and there's one chapter that just fucking blows my mind. And we all know what the chapter is. Um, and, uh, so like, a, that's my way of slipping in. Like inspection is fucking evergreen. I think that's such a great fucking story. Um, but B, the geography of of your stories is all kind of in that area. So, do you have a general like mind map, or does it, or does the stories end up being what you need it to be for the sake of the story, or is it kind of both? Like, I always imagined that you know we start with Mallory. So here's Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> backwards but is it backwards yeah i think it is detroit is here this is the lower peninsula the bridge is up here to the upper peninsula allison i'm from down here detroit area drive all the way up here over the bridge allison is from all the way over here in the up so lake superior is like here she's from up there mallory's adventure i imagine took place around here the river she was on so it's north like 
pretty north, but not like hours north of, of like the city. But but it's it's the woods and river. Um, inspection is up here, where this is where like um, there happens to be a um, uh, a school for like like gifted creatives and stuff up there. Like like Lady Gaga went there and shit. It's called Interlock. Oh. I gave a like a lecture there recently. That was I was like almost shitting my pants. I was so nervous. <laughs> and and so here's the Mallory thing. And then up Goblin would be like here, like almost center of the state. But let me we could probably lower all this low. Goblin's like here, center of the state. And then I would say Sam Hatton is like an hour's this way. And Chaps is probably like right like up there. Chowder, where Pearl takes place, is more like here. Nice. So all of those, that whole like area. And then um, I had a great time that one of the more recent books I wrote, um, I guess it's fine to spoil it because no one would remember this, but the guy's pretty much like in a, in a cell for like the first half of the book. And when he finally breaks out, he realizes that like this was the bottom floor of like a tower and there's like mm-hmm. a, a tunnel between towers and like a plexiglass divider and all this as he's like trying to escape this place. And so he, uh, the, the towers and inspection had been repurposed for this by this other like agency or whatever. Nice. And so when he breaks out, the only way any of that would mean anything to someone is if they read Inspection. Otherwise, nice. like, what is this weird place that this guy's breaking out of, you know? Wow. Yeah, That's and that awesome. Was super fun to write. And that book took place all all like up here. Yeah. Yeah, I figured that there was a there was a method to it, but um not being from Michigan, it was just not as, you know. Yeah. Oh, the weirdest one. Which 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 city is it? Which city is it? I think it's Sam Hatton. Here, let me just look real fast. Because <laughs> this is weird if this is true. I think that on the map in Unburied Carroll is Sam Hatton. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, f- I didn't even it think there's a map. Yeah. There it is. So there's the, the map at the beginning of Unburied Carroll. Nice. And Sam Hatton is right up here. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I haven't pulled this one off the shelf in a minute. <laughs> Do not bury, not dead. On my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, documentary. We want to make sure we talk about this okay. documentary before um before we hit the like three hour mark. <laughs> um, man. So for a while now, I just have felt like, and I don't, and I'm not saying, I'm not throwing shade at anybody who does, but I don't. I just feel like I don't speak Twitter. Okay. I don't really like speak the language. To me, it's a very, it's an angry place. It's a negative place. I understand people have done well there. Um, I've had fun there. I've had fun, like uh, I've read amazing things people said about me and I say amazing things about other people and blah, blah, blah. But in a general sense, I just don't speak that language. I just don't. It's not in me. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not like, let's all engage on this. I'm not, um, uh, asking for i don't know if sympathy is the right word i don't know the right phrase i'm not coming from a place whatever whatever the spirit of twitter is i'm not coming from that place and so it's Mm -hmm. never it's just never like we just never no no spark there and kind of in general in social media so it's like okay how do i express how do i feel or how i feel about writing and this and that that isn't this you know, and right. Allison says to me, like, you know, you're you're a lot better on video than you are maybe in short declaratives or permanent opinions. Why don't you do something like TikTok, blah, blah, blah. And I thought about it. And I'm like, okay, but then that all feels strangely, like, trendy to me or something. But I also kind of do want to get into it. 
And um, so I'm, but I'm like, you know, what I really want to do is I want to make like a, like a feature movie about writing a book. Like I want to make like a documentary. So two books ago, I was like, okay, let's do it. Well, I guess it's three books ago now. I'm like, let's do it. And then I was like, oh man, dude, writing a book is enough. I don't want to, <laughs> I didn't make a movie. So no, two books ago. Uh, are we going to do it now? No. And then whatever. The, the, it, it is actually two books ago now. I was like, this time you're going to do it. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Fine. And so I tweeted out about it that I was doing it. And there's these, these producers that are helping us shop Carpenter's Farm to TV right now. Nice. And they wrote me. They're like, hey, we saw this tweet of yours. I don't think we've ever seen a book, a documentary about writing a book before. I actually, they're like, I don't think we've ever seen this. Like, can we help you produce this? My original plan was film this, edit it, put it on YouTube. If we had something like that of like Stephen King with Cujo, we'd lose our minds. You know, yeah. it was some shitty hour long thing that he made and <laughs> talking about Cujo and he's just eating breakfast and he's writing. We'd be like, this is awesome. So that was like the plan. But with their help, they, they got me better like audio gear, a better camera. And the coolest thing was that I would film and it would immediately go to the cloud. They could view the dailies immediately. Like if right now, if nice. we this right now and then I hit stop, they'd be able to look at that in like four minutes or something. That's so awesome. that side of it was incredible. Being able to like check in with this production team and these producers that totally got what was going on and what was, what was happening here. And, you know, the first day of it, um, I like set up the camera and everything and I'm sitting down to write. Oh, real fast. The point is the audience has to know everything I know because they're not just watching me write. They're watching me write a book. So if I know the ending, they have to know it. So like okay. every step of the way is like, you know, everything I know. Now, here's what I have. This is all I'm starting with. Let's do it. Blah, blah, blah. And so very first day, I set up the camera and I'm all set. And I'm like, ah, shit. And I hit stop and I... Go talk to Allison. I'm like, dude, I don't even, I don't know what to say. Like, I've been wanting to do this for like two years. I have no idea what to say. And she was like, oh, man, just be yourself, man. I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> I'm like, which, which guy is like, which self are we talking about right now? Oh, my God. Yeah. A few days into it, I found like the groove of it. And it was, oh, it was great, man. Like, have you seen that, um, that Beatles documentary? The one where it was like live footage kind of? Like in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the whole thing. I, I, I haven't seen the whole thing. I saw part of it though. Yeah. But it ha it's more akin to that to me than it is uh -huh. to like, than like a structured, it's just more like, like a fly on the wall of somebody in their office, like working shit out, losing their mind. So excited, struggling da, 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 to finish like a novel. It really is just the arc of writing a novel. And I feel like I did it in terms of like, that's, this is how I feel about writing that I would never be able to express on Twitter on Facebook, yeah. on Instagram, this is how I feel about it. That's really interesting because in the time that I've been talking to book people, um, which is now like 13 years or something, which I'm I say that often enough because I'm fucking proud of it. Like I've known, I've been doing this for a while. And like, but one of the things that has come up from like author friends of mine, uh, but just like my, my thinking in general is because I have access to these people, I see parts of things that the general public doesn't. And I feel like I'm enriched by that, but there's a feeling sometimes of like this, this, there's something here that should be explored or should be captured or should be shared in a way. And I haven't seen someone figure out the right way to do that. Um, social media is insufficient. Um, 
like I know that back in the day in the early 2000s and stuff, there was like lots of forums and stuff where groups of writers would get together and talk and everything. But that was very personal. There wasn't anything for general people to see about like the life of someone who creates and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there is something to the person beyond the words they make. I think that's interesting to explore and, and it's I, I, I've seen so many people feel like there's a need for that and not know how to do it. Yeah, it, it was like haunting me because I would see like people, you know, a lot of the times it would be like a negative thing. Um, either I, uh, not me, but someone would say like, I have imposter syndrome or I, um, I'm really struggling today. And these seem to get like a ton of responses. And, but if you're right, like, dude, I'm loving this session today. Yeah. Like nobody online wants, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants, they're all like, yeah, that's fucking, who's this asshole? Right. And then I started to see phrases like toxic positivity online. And I understand, I know what people mean when they say that I'm, I'm I get, they're not talking about someone like me. I, I get what they're saying. They're saying someone who's like, um, don't be depressed. Smile. Like I, I know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it started to feel like, where do I fit into all this? Cause I don't writing for me. Isn't imposter syndrome. Isn't um, loathing myself. Isn't, I mean, it's insane work and I doubt, you know, is this the right book to be writing right now? Or is this right? Or this right? But I have a million fail safes for that too. In terms of like, Hey man, it's the rough draft in the rewrite. We'll fix this, which I was talking about with the uh, nonfiction book as well. So to me, it's like, if I'm not like, I don't want to say something like negative about like, there's nothing negative. Like even, even if it's a lot of work, it's not negative. Like I doubt David Lynch would be like, I hate making movies. I don't think he'd say like, I hate making movies. He'd be like, no, it's like a ton of fucking work. And it's like the fucking greatest thing in the world. You know what I mean? And then he loves like painting. He loves, and I feel like the same way. It's like, yeah, man, it's super intense, super intense. And that means there's going to be moments that suck. But there, man, the overall arc of it is, oh my, there's literally nothing better, that, nothing better. Yeah. So, so how do you express that without, and still connect with someone? Well, I think it has to do with like face-to-face. Yeah. And if, if I was just typing this all to you and you were typing that to me, like even that would feel different, let alone if we were talking about this like posting, right? Yeah. So the closest thing I could think is, if we're not going to sit down and if I'm not going to sit down and have a, have a, a drink with every single reader or everyone in the horror scene, for <laughs> one, the closest thing I can think is like, okay, I'm going to make an, I'm going to make it like a 90 minute, like feature of writing a book. Yeah. That's yeah. Like you're open, opening yourself up, like inviting people in kind of thing. Um, what, when I was thinking about this kind of idea, what I, 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 I'd like to, th- I like to th- talk in analogies. And so, I think one of the problems I have with, um, especially on social media, authors on social media, is a lot of the times when people are talking about writing their pro- like their process and throwing advice at each other and everything. I know it's helpful that I know it does for them what they needed to do, but to me, it feels like uh, like the coworkers in the like the out of shape coworkers in the office all telling each other how to like diet properly. Like there's something that doesn't feel, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like there's, it's like a, nobody's succeeding, but they're all telling each other what their methods are. And it's all just like nets to nothing. And I know that I'm, I'm saying that as an example, that's probably more critical than what's actually going on with authors. So please don't. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I completely understand what you're saying. And, and, but 
Yeah, but um, then like what I would need if I was like, man, you know what? I want to lose some weight. I want to be more fit. I want to be more active. I don't need that person who's like telling me about keto when I watched you eat Cheetos like 30 minutes ago. Um, I want the person who's just like, hey, let's go for a walk. Like, let's go. Let's do this. That's like Allison is like that because I I worry about that stuff too. And I've been working out. I think I just told you at the beginning of this, I've been working out for like only a week straight and I'm a different human being. And um, yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It has like, and I, oh man, there's a whole section in that documentary about like imposter syndrome. And I just don't, I just don't even understand the phrase. I mean, I, I'm like, this is why this is like, like our favorite authors have, your favorite authors have books that you think are bad. Your favorite authors ever have books that you think are bad. Yep. Like, and you, and, and you think that there's some like pedestal that you're not deserving of, or you're not able to achieve. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Even your heroes can do like bad, but you can't. Right. right. Well, and isn't that a thing? That- allow, allow yourself to, to write a bad book and then yeah. fix it in the rewrite, make it better in the rewrite. And I, isn't there a thing where it's like, stop comparing your work that you're working on to a polished, finished product? Like, right. You can't be like, this isn't as good as my favorite book. While your favorite book at some point was probably a lot like, like this was. So, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So, the High Strong just put out like, Without, it's definitely our most um, sort of like I don't want to say polished album, but it's it's the sound is incredible on it. The producer is amazing, and we're all excited about doing another album. But I keep reminding us, like we're not don't aim for where this last album ended, right? Aim for what, how did we start that last one? That was just me and Mark sending each other like VMs of us, like a jing a jing a jing a jing. <laughs> you like that? Do you like that? Right. Like, today and then awesome, yeah, yeah. and then it grew into like what it is, and same yeah. as that thing. Where it's yep. like, yeah, don't compare your thing to like finished, like, you know, some book that you love that's like brilliant and finished. You're like, it's the rough draft. But that is the beauty of the rewrites, man. The rewrites yep. is like, that's when you get like, okay. And you, and you almost feel yourself switch. When the in the rough draft, it's almost like something childlike, something um, like all effusive and like, blah, 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 blah. and then the rewrites almost like, all right, kid, get out of the room. You know what I mean? Now I'm, adults are talking now. And then, like, you know, and then you sit down and you're like, okay, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're not letting that happen. You know, uh, or in the case of Igorov, we are. And so I think there's so, there are so many things like that, that when you put it online in just like a short declarative or a short, you know, like writing sucks, but having written is great or something like that. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's so right. not nuanced. Yeah. You know, it's oh, yeah. so, lacking so, the, the, the experience of writing a novel and the philosophies behind writing a novel and all this are so rich and so deep that I don't even, I can't even imagine there just isn't enough room on social media to express it. Yeah. And part of yeah. that is just phenomenological. Some of it's just felt, some of it's just experienced. And that's why I say, if, if you know, if there was a writer that was struggling with all this stuff, I'd be like, like you said, let's go take a walk. I'd be like, hey, let's let's get a drink together. Yeah. And then we go, we sit down, and we just talk about it. And it's not even necessarily what I would be saying or what you'd be saying. It'd be the vibe of the whole thing is this is doable. This mm-hmm. is not only doable, we can do something great. That vibe would be there the whole time. Not even if neither of us ever said those exact words. That's what I hope that documentary is. So where where is that in the pro- process? So it's all done. It's all shot. And... 
It is the producers are, um, what's the right word? trying out editors. I don't know the right word. We interviewed like a couple of different people to edit it. But even that seems like kind of strange to me. It almost, I asked them if I could edit it just like I asked if I could do Igorov. And they, um, they also were like, no, we, we should get a, like a pro to do this, which I understand. So, <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, I mean, you have a vision or you have a idea of what that experience is and stuff. So yeah, that makes sense that you would want to be involved in that. Yeah. Because to me, it's, it's going to be a strange documentary, I think, because most of the time a documentary has like the, um, what's the right phrase, like either stakes or tragedy or this like occurs mm-hmm. during the documentary or something of that nature. But this isn't that. This is just getting through writing a novel. Yeah. So, you know, it might be like different. It could be like refreshing. It could be um, like, you know, how like Ted Lasso is like a refreshing show because it doesn't yeah. have some of these other things. It could be refreshing in that way. But I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do have a fantasy of like editing it myself, but we'll see. <laughs> the Mallerman cut. We'll get it one one year. Maybe like three hours long. long. <laughs> <laughs> it's just every second of footage that you took. Um, all right. Well, we're probably coming up on our time and we've talked for like three hours, I think, to- if we add it all up. So I feel like one hour for each year since the last time we talked probably pretty decent right yeah um and so novel wise because i know you're not like you're more of a person who's like i've written stuff and it's it's you've got more of a pipeline maybe than someone who's like the book is just coming out and now i just started my next one so like spin a black yarn again is next uh what's the is it the eighth or the the 15th august 15th yep um what's after that after that will be um, incidents around the house. Oh yeah, about a year following, and I'm I'm hoping, I'm hoping to actually maybe somehow squeeze in this nonfiction book between the two. I don't. It seems possible to me right now. Um, well, I think we'll see in the rewrite how like serious this is. Uh, but I'm imagining the fantasy would be that comes out around the same time, or yeah. before or after incidents around the house. That's awesome. And, and incidents. That one, God, am I really excited about that one. And, you know, it's such like a weird feeling like, um, you know, I'm sure every author listening knows this. You like write a book and it doesn't come out for like two years at the best. And, you know, the, the best right. case scenario. So, you know, Incidents has been with me for a few months now. Like, God, maybe even longer than that. And like six months, seven months, I don't even know. Something like that. Jeez. And um, it's coming out in a year from now or whatever. And I, from the minute I finished this one, I was like, oh my God, I want this one to come out right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I just yeah. got to be cool. Yeah. That's got to be the waiting game. But like you, you get to just jump onto new projects and like keep, you know, keep going on yeah. with whatever, whatever and, comes and next. About it too, like a documentary and a nonfiction book, which by the way, that's in- interesting that these two just came up together. Um, but that is an interesting way because typically what happens is you put out a, you write a book. It takes two years to come out. Now you've written two other books or whatever, and you're somewhere else in the head. Yep. But in this case, no, I'm still there with incidents mm-hmm. and a documentary and a nonfiction are like, they're not, they're not a new story. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So creatively you're, you're kind of, you're closer to this one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm still yeah. closer to the same spot I was in or something. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you're, like one of my favorite people to talk to um, and uh, very 
loved the book. I loved everything, obviously. Um, and so thanks so much for taking time out of two days <laughs> yeah, to, to do this with me. It was really cool. Yeah, it, was, it was totally, totally awesome. And I'm so glad that we, uh, so glad that we decided to add the second one. In. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited and, to like watch this when, when this plays, is it, um, what's the right phrase? Um, when you're talking, it shows you. No, I do a two up. So you'll see us both at the same time. Oh, it does work that way. So yeah. it's side by side. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Oh shit, I was just going to say something. Oh yeah, um, and one of these fucking days, I can't tell you how many times I've had it in my head where I'm like, you know, Michigan is a pretty quick drive. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to have to bomb out. So if you end up doing events or something um, closer to Spin a Black Yarn or, or down the road, I, I'm going to have to come up and... Because I've known you now since 2014, I believe, and I haven't seen you in person and and like that's just a crime. So yeah, and change it, that. Yeah, and that goes back to exactly what we were just talking about. Like, you see someone in person. I feel like we do have, a obviously, a sense yeah. of But you see someone in person and you just feel something that you can't get on camera. You can't get on can't you, – maybe you can get in a book, but you can't get on social media. You can't – you just – it's a sense of that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know what your handshake is like. Like, right. there, there's th- certain things that we just have to, yeah, get to. So. 